Hello, everybody. It's the Dave Jones Podcast. I was uh, pretending I was David Bowie there for a second, but it's not David Bowie. It's Dave Juskow. How are you, everybody? Welcome to the podcast, the David Bowie Tribute Podcast. Uh, and I am doing a David Bowie Tribute because there's a lot there's a lot of people who died this week who I'm going to stave off until next week because David Bowie is the most important person and um, as you can see from the outpouring of affection from everyone and uh, the news and the TV he was beloved and I really 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 liked him and I maybe I didn't even know as much as I liked him until he was dead or uh, but because it was such a long relationship that maybe I always thought he was going to be around and uh, it's very sad. He was way cool. You know, even if he didn't care for Jewish people that much. But, you know, <laughs> the thing is... But, God, this um, this song... You know, most a lot of his songs, they're in my head on a 24-7 basis. And this one, all I could think about all day was like... So that's why I opened with this song. But um, we have a lot to talk about today. Uh I'm going to save uh, Pat Harrington uh, Jr. Uh, for next week. I'm going to save um, my friend uh, Mr. Guillermo Salazar is here today. Hi. Hello. What? Why do you say he doesn't like Jews? Um, just to figure, he was a classic anti-Semite. I mean, you know, look what he did to clean. You know, he goes to Berlin uh, to record. I. This is what we were all assuming. He just, you know, <laughs> he's a classic Nazi. Look at him. He looks like he would be a great Nazi. That's yeah. true. But, I mean, did he ever actually say anything? Like, I hate Jews? Yeah, he's married to a black... Oh, I see your point, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, he probably did. Um, I didn't hear it. Right. But I'm just assuming, because that's the way Jewish people work. That's true. It's a good um, But I remember... Um, when I was working at a law firm many years ago, there was this guy, Steve Shore. He was um, my boss. And... Uh, they we, we worked on a, a trial for David Bowie <laughs> for the Black Tie White Noise album. It's coming back to my head. So it was in the early 90s. Early 90s. Right, right. Yeah. And there was some sort of controversy, and I think we were suing him. Your agency was suing David Bowie. That's right. Wow. Yeah. You're kind um, of a jerk. Yeah, I, <laughs> so Lawrence, my friend Lawrence Lerman, comes in. And he tells Steve, because, you know, it was the, my life was very much like a sitcom. You know, my boss knew all my friends right. from, you know, high school. <laughs> and, um, you know, it'd be like Rhoda Morgenstern coming into the, the newsroom and being <laughs> like, hi, Mayor. Oh, hi, Lou. Um, so he's like, you know, he's a classic anti-Semite. And Steve Shore goes, I'll put him on the stand. I'll put him on the stand, Lawrence. I will put him on the stand. And we always, uh, whenever we talk about Bowie, Lawrence and I always go, we'll put him on the stand. I will put him on the stand. So what happened? What happened to the... Yeah, they put him on the stand. <laughs> no, nothing. I, I don't remember. I should probably ask because I think there's another guy who was in the football pool who worked on that case. So maybe... Oh, it, it didn't occur to me until right now as we were talking about it wow. that I should have actually um, <clears throat> called that guy and said, hey, whatever happened with that case? Yeah, it's like a... Black tie, white noise, right? That's right. It's coming back now. Yeah, it wasn't not a very uh, successful I album. still feel like my... Like I can't hear myself, and you know I like to hear myself. Um, anyway, I invited um, my good friend Memo on the show because I know Memo is a huge Bowie fan. We're going to get to all this um, I, I'm, in a second. Let me just um, go over the the week. 
before we get into the Bowie tribute. So if you um, hate this part and you do want to just hear the Bowie tribute, I would um, go about a half hour down. <laughs> I mean, it's going to take some time. I can't talk about my week. Otherwise, it's not going to be relevant. You know, according, if I just go and judging by Facebook, nothing else happened this week. Oh, on my Facebook? Just any, just the entire world of Facebook. It's all Bowie. Oh, it's all Bowie. Right, right. Well, it's all David's. Oh, true. So I last I taped the podcast last Tuesday because I went to um, the Nets game last Wednesday with Lee Maracas. And uh, there's this guy, John O, who sits with us. Uh, he sits on the, right on the opposite side. It's a miracle that Lee has these season tickets and he sits right next to this guy that I've known for 20 years. It was just a coincidence he has season tickets too, but on the complete other side. Right. But like right next to each other, but there's a, a divider between us. Oh, so you like make face. So John O gets. No, no, no. We're right next to each other. There's I mean, just a metal pole. There's a metal oh, pole there. Okay. So it's a glass <laughs> thing or whatever. Anyway, so John O always has. Uh, he has like the tickets where you get the free food and everything. So he always gives us the tickets and then we go. So I finally went up to like the suites at the Barclays Center because, you know, I'm always at the Prudential Center suites. Right. And, um,. They have a buffet up there and everything, but it wasn't that great. Prudential Lint. So far, unless I'm wrong of where I was, maybe I was not in the VIP room because on Friday I went to the Devils game. Right. Well, this is all relevant. On Friday I went to the Devils game with the manager for the comedy seller, Steve Fabrican. So we go to the VIP lounge, and it's really nice. You know, it's all free food, but it's, you know, they got a carving station, they got a pasta station, they got a burger station, they got everything you could ever want sushi desserts um it's great and it's all free and um you know then we go sit in the seats and i got to sit in there with my aunt and uncle they just happened to be there david what are you doing here what are you doing here that's you know my cousin's uh, parents right so but the guy steve told me the barclay center was better so oh. maybe i was in the wrong section well obviously if you didn't get the hint by the bar between you and your friend there's a jewish <laughs> section Clearly, and well, the but Lee's in the but Lee's a Gentile. Oh, that's true. And besides, I think that John O. I don't think he's Jewish. Not the way he treats his girlfriend. Right. It's kind of hot. Anyway, um, as you know, <clears throat> if you've listened to this podcast, as most of you um, do, <laughs> you know, the fifty or so, uh, we're up to fifty. Well, uh, up to about a hundred. Oh, it's good. Um, do you do you hear? Like white noise behind us or anything? Or? Black tie white noise. Come on. I get it. Dude. I see what you're saying. Um, I hear like a machine, but it's like... Yeah, what do I have on? No. I guess everything's okay, right? I do but, hear it, but maybe it's just my headphones because I have them up or something. It's the ghost of Bowie. Oh, I mean, wait, I hear your fridge. Is that the, oh, it's going to be edited. Is that... No. I never edit. <laughs> no, it's that, that thing well, that this you is taught me riveting. about. That the... Um, that. Oh, but I, it's fine. Anyway, um, so I'm doing the thing at the Comedy Cellar. Everybody knows I'm doing the thing at the Comedy Cellar January 25th. Monday, January 25th, I'm doing the Godfather reading at the Comedy Cellar. You know because you were going to be – you were going to do some sound oh, effects. I mean you were something. going to be doing. Or I'm well, confused. I'm about to make the announcement. Uh, I see. Uh, here's what happened, everybody. I know I've been toying about this. I know also last week I said, geez, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm very uptight about it. You know, I was thinking about canceling it, but I didn't cancel it. When I was at the Devils game with the manager of the Comedy Cellar, I kept telling the president, I'm like, you got to come to the Comedy Cellar. I'm doing this big show January 25th. And my friend Steve goes like, you're doing it on January 25th? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, 
you didn't tell me you were doing it January 25th. I'm like, when do you think I was doing it? He goes, I didn't think you had a date yet. I'm like, no, I got a date set in stone from the owner. And he goes, well, I just talked to the manager, Liz, and she doesn't know anything about it. <laughs> so you should probably stop telling people. And I'm like, no, 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 it's all set. It's all set because I have on record, which I showed him on Facebook, mm-hmm. where I'm talking to the owner of the comedy seller, Gnome, and he says, yeah, January 25th, all set. So why would I ever think that it wasn't set? I got a nod from the owner, but as we all should know, if right. you're intelligent and older and smarter, the owner really knows nothing. Sure. So I guess I messed up, but I didn't know the protocol in this particular well, case. Well, had you been constantly communicating with these people? Not I haven't really, talked right? to anybody for two months. I just so, thought that the date was set in stone. But you only had, let's say it was happening, right? Mm-hmm. So in the next two weeks, you would have had to like set it all up? Yeah, that's right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought it was going to be easy to... S- <laughs> Look, I, I guess I... Whatever. Anyway, the date has been now officially changed to March 1st. March 1st. It's a Tuesday. It's better. Um, look, I'm an anal person. Everybody knows this. I wanted to start it in January. I get it. Because I was trying to do it every month for a year. But you know what? You know that how much pressure that was putting on me. Let's just do it March 1st. Let's try the first one. Take it from there. I agree. So I think we're all good. Um, but... I, you know, I kept t- I t- finally talked to this girl, Liz, and I'm just like, um, you know, you could see, just, you don't think I'm crazy. <laughs> you could understand why I would have thought that it was all set. I mean, you know, I have it in writing from the owner saying the date's all set. Why well, would they true. think that? She's like, that's the first I've heard of it. I'm like, but, but, but. So, March 1st. Got it. March 1st. You should check the website and make sure they actually list it on the website. I, c- I looked at the website. I That website is horrible I don't know what's on that they're like yeah that gives us time to promote it and I'm like well I don't see any promotion for anything else <laughs> so you're not doing anything right now then right she's like well we usually have bands in there on Mondays I don't know why he told you Monday <laughs> like, well clearly he doesn't know what day it is and the funny thing is he's more excited about it than anybody because he's playing his mandolin through the entire thing <laughs> he's like can I play the mandolin I wanted to use the regular music but he's like he, you need an accordion player he wants to play the mandolin she gets Susan to play the accordion Ooh, that's the a good time. idea oh Ooh, you think they can play together? Sure. I need somebody. Maybe Susan. Do you think she can sing Italian even though she's Asian? <laughs> I need somebody to play Mama Corleone. Mama Corleone. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking of Irene. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, I was thinking of Jody Wasserman because <laughs> Jody's fat. Um, so that's funny for Mama Corleone. <laughs> but it's me because I'd be like, Jody, could you play Mama Corleone? Why did you think of me? <laughs> uh, the funny thing about Jody is, I mean, She's she's a very nice girl, um, but she is overweight that she's been since we've known her. And one time, me, her, Irene, and Rena were going to a gig out in New Jersey many years ago. Does this have to do with food? No. Oh. So um, I was driving everybody, and Rena was driving me crazy. She was such an asshole. This is a friend of ours for many years. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. She's insane. Uh, I was driving not good or something. She was just backseat driving nonsense well you're not gonna drink are you and i'm like i might have a beer you know like no i'm not i'm like then get out i mean i screamed at her at the top of my lungs i'm like get the fuck out (laughs) this is get out why you never share a car with her again right this is the story oh that's right oh you know about this i think so yeah yeah no never again never again (laughs) when i have her in my car um 
So then I was like, just shut up. Shut up, everybody. Jody, I'll get you your ice cream in a couple of minutes. And and then Rita's like, that's mean. That's mean. Because I was making fun of her being fat. And then Jody's like, are we really getting ice cream? So it wasn't. I know that sounds horrible, but it was funny because she, you know, even though that was a very mean thing to say. Right. She's like, but we are getting ice cream. So, you know, I don't think she took it that way. It. It's a classic story. But I was mad at myself for yelling so But she got to me. When somebody's nagging at you, my sister's been doing it lately. It's, it's, nagging it's, is it's the most uh, annoying thing. I agree. There's nothing worse than nagging, especially when you're driving. When you're driving. Yeah, it's intolerable. There's no escape. I had the same thing with my cousin in Mexico. She was nagging the hell. And I, you know me, I'm pretty chill. And I like totally. Blew yeah, up you are. Her. Yeah. I, 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 and her husband was right there. And I was just like, shut the fuck. I, I don't know what I said to her. And he, you know, he didn't get mad. He totally knew I was in the right. You're, you're a pretty good driver. Um, I'm an excellent driver. You know this. <laughs> yeah. Out of all my idiosyncrasies, I'm it's, a very good well, driver. Well, what makes you amazing is how well you can drive while under the influence of bizarre. <laughs> of alcohol. <laughs> yeah. I talk about it all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, usually. Um, not pot, though. That's uh, always difficult for me. But, um, right. you know, booze, I'm pretty good. But anyway, I'm a pretty good driver anyway. But, God, my sister just keeps picking on me all the time. It's, like, really bad. And I'm like, just shut up. <laughs> um. I'm never going to get into an accident. I always say, when I'm in the car driving, I'm like, nope, I'm never going to. Yeah, I'm jinxing it. <laughs> because you need to be 100%. So you have to jinx it. You have to be, you must be 100% as a driver. Right. Because the day that you're not 100%, you're going to die. <laughs> so I'm always going to be 100%. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Anyway, so, yeah, we went to the Devil's Game, and that's when I found out that uh, the date is now uh, March 1st. Now, on Saturday... I decided, you know, the, the football games were on. And I knew if I stayed home Saturday and Sunday, I would be very depressed. Right. So I made plans to meet some girls in Asbury Park. Okay. Uh, there's uh, my friend, uh, Cousin Frankie. That's a girl? No, it's a guy. Oh. He's dating a girl who has a bunch of friends. Got it. Down in Asbury Park. He listens to the podcast. So um, he's like, I'm dating a girl from Long Branch who are all going to Asbury Park to watch football. And I'm like, that sounds like a really good plan. So, but I'm nervous about it. You know, I'm nervous about going to Asbury Park. I'm nervous about going far. I'm nervous about drinking. I'm nervous about meeting girls. But I'm not that nervous. I go to spin class very early in the morning at 7.30 in the morning. That's all she had available. I ran, ran into Caroline Ray there. Oh. I hadn't seen her in many years. She looked good. A little happy. Um... We're never going to get to Bowie right <laughs> I told you it'd be a half hour. <laughs> right. um, I told people to slide the... It's true. Like I'm making the, it's a good thing. I was honest. Um, where was it? Oh, yeah. So I go... I leave here around 3 o'clock. The game started at 4.30. And I ate like a bagel like around 10.30. So I hadn't eaten anything else. And it was just a bagel. And I was feeling good. The night before, I ate a little much at the Devil's game. But, you know, that should have all worked itself out. I showered. I got, you know how much pressure there is. I talk about this all the time. I got to get the car out of the car. I got to make the call for the car. I got to go to the garage. Plus, um, I knew I hadn't paid my Christmas gift yet because I hadn't picked up the car in a month. So their card with the amount of people on the card to pay was still there on my seat. So I was worried that maybe they wouldn't. Oh, I don't know what happened to your car. Don't start <laughs> because I didn't pay their Christmas bonus. Wait a minute. What do you mean there's a card on the seat? With they put mind? a card on your seat just like the doorman slip a card under your door. Oh, Merry Christmas from all the boys, you know. And they name, name all the boys. They name all the boys. There's 15. 
<laughs> got to pay 15 fucking people. Well, how much you give each person? Well, I just made a cumulative $150. is $10 a person. Wow. Yeah. Otherwise, they mess up your car. Really? <laughs> it's kind of like the mob. It is like the mob Jesus. because it's even worse than the other garage I used to be at down the street. <clears throat> they put your name on a board. And if you're not on that board... <laughs> wow. I mean, they're not, not going to get you your car, but they're going to give right. you that stare. Sure. And I don't want that sure. stare. Sure, and there might be chewing gum on the... So That's I picked crazy. up the car and I'm like, oh, I'm just getting. The, is the car on this? Because I, you know, I was, I was, uh, yeah, I haven't uh, been back in a month. Uh, you know, it's like really <laughs> uptight. So I'm already getting anxious. You know, then getting out of the city, you just, it's stomach turning. You know, to try and escape. Right. It's not easy. It's not like a normal person where you can just get in your car and go. So I'm already panicked, but I'm feeling fine. You know, I made a duty before I left and everything. Everything's fine. When I get to about exit 12 on the turnpike. My stomach starts getting in knots. And I know it's in my mind. I know it's in my mind. I'm like, right. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I'm just going to keep going. I said, I'm going to stop. I'm not going to stop at my sister's. I'm going to stop at the Cheesequake stop on the parkway <laughs> and maybe use the bathroom if it doesn't subside. Right. But it wasn't subsiding. You know, maybe I'll get some coffee. Maybe that'll work. Um, so I went into that bathroom and it was pretty clean. And I was in the stall and I was like walking around like a dog. Like walking in the stall, thinking, I don't have to go. Like circling <laughs> it, like I'm going to make my mark. Right. And then I'm like, well, maybe I should go. And, you know, stuff came out. Like a lot. <laughs> and I was like, well, see, how is that possible? My mind willed it to happen because I'm a mess. Yeah, you know? stress. Stress. Sure. So I got out and I'm like, what was that all about? You know, I'm always like surprised. <laughs> Meanwhile, when I think about what I've eaten the day before, I'm like, oh, I guess. But this time was complete stress. Right. And I left, and I just felt like a million bucks. And then all of a sudden, it started happening again on my way down to Asbury, like in the middle. And I'm like, I'm going to have to stop again because sometimes it happens in twos. So I'm like – so I passed my stop, and I went to the next rest stop because I knew if I went into the bar where they were, mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh, I'll be right – I'm meeting new people. I'm like, I'll be right back. And I don't know whether that bathroom locks. I, you know, who knows what's – I don't know where I'm going. Right. Also stressful. So I stopped at the other stress stop. Now, this stop – and I don't know what it, maybe it was the Asbury stop. I don't know what it is. It's the second one on the Parkway after the Driscoll Bridge. So you're saying you 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 passed your exit on purpose? Yeah, to stop at the rest stop on the Parkway. That's crazy. It was only like another mile. Oh, okay. It wasn't that bad, and I can get right back on. Okay. But again, that's stressing me out because I'm passing. You know how you pass a stop, and even though, and plus, yeah. it was dark, and I'm like I'm late. And again, like what happened to me when I was at the show last week? Everybody, if you listen to the show, it was only five thirty. <laughs> but it felt like 12 to the f I can't take when it gets dark early it drives yeah. me insane so that's also stressing me I feel like it's 11 o'clock at night and I'm missing everything <laughs> meanwhile I'm having a good time listening to the other game on the on the radio I really enjoy listening to the football game on the radio so I go to that other stop now this stop is disgusting it's like the bathrooms that you have in dreams yeah when you have to go to the bathroom and it's gross and it was like that. It was like you must have you these go in. And, I do. Yeah. You go in and you see two gay guys jumping out a window like in the forties, <laughs> because you know, like in, was that officer and a gentleman or something yeah. like that? Uh, it was like one of those bathrooms. That's terrifyingly scary. They had one stall working. Everything else was full of duty, and I had to go in there. And more came out. Yeah. And I was like, "What the? What am I? This sucks." <laughs> but it came out. And then I left, and I was like, "All right." That's it. That's got to be it. And I kept trucking. You know, I kept, I'm like, no, I'm still going to go to this bar because normally I would just turn around. And go all the like, way back home. Yes. Okay. It would be worth it. I'm like, you know what? Screw this. I'll have a better time just going home. 
But I went to the bar, and then I was a mess when I got there. It was too. It was really crowded. I went to the bathroom, but only to pee because I'd been in the car for like two hours. <laughs> I, I'd forgotten to do that. And um, and then I met them, and uh, then I relaxed, and then drank and ate as if none of that ever happened. Yeah. <laughs> so clearly, stress in my mind sure. that turned into duty. And then you had a good time. I had a great time. I had a great time. So I was with these girls. I was having a good time. But the games were all messed up. Now, you know, I, I really blew it on the – I bet the I bet the Chiefs and the Steelers, and both won. But unfortunately, I bet the big money on the overs, on the overs and I lost that. what happens every – I lost so much money this week, I'm down about a grand. Aha. And it was really sad. I was so depressed on Sunday. Think about your kneecaps. Exactly. I was very, very worried. I was able to muster about $500 through some other accounts. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm probably going to have to borrow. That's crazy. It's bad, yeah. Uh, but that Steelers... Oh, well, here. Um, do I have that one? I think I have the Steelers... No, no, I don't. I have the um, the other one. Uh, because then on Sunday, you might remember... This is what happened... I don't know if you heard. But first of all, the Chiefs beat the Texans huge. I loved the Chiefs in that game. Mm -hmm. um, with one other field goal, I probably would have gotten the over. You know, But the Steelers-Bengals won was uh, an amazing game. The guy, I don't know if you heard about this. Now, once your football pool ended, I was so mad oh, you're and out. depressed. I just didn't want to hear anything else. I totally understand. You were doing so well, too. I know. Uh, and Memo's it. name was awesome. It was Hillary Trump. Was Great a name. name. It was a good name. We got me. coffees before. Um, also, the reason we're filming this a little late because uh, just before the podcast, Jeff Ross called. With his, like, he was asking me some advice. He's like, I, I don't know what to do. Should I do this TV show? <laughs> and, and, and I had to be like a cheerleader for him. It was like, we talked for like a half hour. Was this just is like, true. It's really funny. Like I've told Memo before, I'm like, I'm telling you, people call me for advice all the time. Like, do you think I should do this? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. I got to get my boss coffee. I'll be right back. You know, it's like really funny that they ask me these questions. He's asked me a bunch of stuff before. I know Sarah's called me up like, do you think I should do an HBO special? I'm like, I, I, I got to fix the toner in the copier. But uh, I'm going to come back. I'm going to think about this. I'm going to answer your question for you. Um, anyway, uh, so the so the Steelers Bengals the Steelers are winning fifteen nothing through most of the game, and the Bengals come back with their backup quarterback. It's exciting. They're winning sixteen fifteen. Right, sixteen fifteen. They're winning a minute left, and the Steelers get the ball back, and Roethlisberger throws an interception, and the game is over. The right. Bengals get the ball. They can't even believe they're going to go. They just beat their arch enemy. Right. And so they're just running out the clock. They're running the ball. Guy fumbles the ball. Steelers get it back. Right. People couldn't believe it. Roethlisberger, his shoulders all messed up. Right. Everyone in the stadium knows he can't throw a pass down the field. <laughs> they're going to win anyway despite this disaster because Ben Roethlisberger can't throw downfield. His shoulder is injured. Right. He was out of the game. They brought him back in in a hero fashion to be like, Let, put him in. This is it, you know? <laughs> right. And he was able to throw 10-yard passes. They don't care about that. They're down in the 10-yard line, 20-yard line. They He has to throw it 80 yards right. to win the game. Right. But they only need a field goal, obviously. They're down by one point. But he's got to go 50 yards. He can't do it. He throws a 10-yard pass. Guy runs. There's a helmet-to-helmet -helmet hit by the Bengals. He, he was almost targeted. So they get a 15-yard penalty. Right. And everybody's like, oh, my God. Still not a problem. They're still, like, on the 40-yard line. Sure. It's going to be a over 50-yard line. how much goal. time is left at this point? 20 seconds. Jesus, okay. All of a sudden, this guy from the Steelers comes off the sideline. I don't know. Coach or something? I don't, Porter is his name. I don't know what he is. I don't know what he did. I can't tell. 
He aggravates one of the Bengals, and the Bengals punches him in the face, and they get another 15-yard penalty, <laughs> and that costs them the game. The Steelers didn't even a field goal, 18 to 15. That's crazy. People well, are. Pisca must be excited. That's crazy. Oh my! They they should not have won that game. Right. The and the Bengals fans are deject. I mean, first of all, the Bengals can't get over a hump. They've never won a playoff game. They can't win a playoff game lately. Uh, like seven in a row, right. they can't win. And now they want the coach fired, even though he brings them to the playoffs every year. Like, look, if you can't get over the hump, <laughs> you're a dick. Um, oh, that was a horrible way to win. A horrible way to lose. But you can't blame the coach on that one. That's crazy. You can. You can because his team wasn't disciplined. Well, maybe and that's you, true. And the coach's job is to keep everybody disciplined. Like, hey, don't do anything stupid now. We're right there. <laughs> that's true. And but that's shit that happens to the Jets. So I was <laughs> thrilled that it happened to somebody else. Now, think about this. Thank God I won that one. The Steelers were three the entire week, but for some reason I got a one and a half. Wow. So I won. Yes. Because <laughs> uh, they only won by two. It was 18 to 16. That's what they won. Got it. Anyway, the next day... Another game just like that, Seahawks-Vikings. Right. Seahawks were up 9. They were up 10 nothing, Or maybe, no, they were up, no, the Vikings were up 9 nothing. They just kept hitting field goals, field goals. And then the Seahawks were up 10-9. to nine. And uh, the Vikings worked it out where all they needed was a field goal with five seconds left. And this is what happens. Let's see if we can get to it. German is the snapper. And the kick is no good. I don't know if you heard. He said the kick is no good. Now uh, I had here, no idea what just happened. I'm sorry. Yeah, because I, I was uh, playing. Let me see. Here's that. That was the national one that uh, Al Michaels did. Here is. Let's see if I can get to it. This is the Vikings radio one. Kicker, and I'm telling you, psychologically, sometimes that can get a kicker. Blair Walsh has five game-winning field goals to his credit, including two this year. He walked off a winner here against St. Louis and at Soldier Field. This will be a 27-yard try. It's a chip shot. Yeah. For all intents and purposes, to knock Seattle out of the postseason. Kevin McDermott snaps. He's in his first year with the Minnesota Vikings. Jeff Locke holds. Blair Walsh from 27 yards left hash. Snap good, spot down, Walsh's kick is up, and it is no good, he missed it! Are you kidding me? <laughs> the season can't end like that! He missed it left! And the Seattle Seahawks are off to Charlotte. That's Blair crazy. Walsh missed a 27-yard field goal, and the Minnesota Vikings are going to lose 10-9. to Now sometimes you just rather be lucky than good. And for the, and for the Seattle Seahawks, they were lucky today. Wow, that's crazy. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. Um, so what about, I mean, that's, you know, it's so those announcers are hilarious, you know, <laughs> I don't know why. So that's the Vikings pot, you know, right. uh, here's the Seahawks one. <laughs> take is either a block or. Now, remember, it's a chip shot. Right. So the Seahawks one are just like, well, the game's over. Right. Yeah, Vikings guys, are, we're going to the next level. There's no reason. To think otherwise, yeah. A shank by their kicker, and he has shanked some before. Oh. See, they're hoping it's good. Well, he shanked some before. But, uh, where the other guys were just like, he's never missed. This is kind of right in his wheelhouse. This ball is right up. This is almost, it is shorter than an extra point right now. It's just a matter of getting the football up in the air. 
He's got three of them already today, does Blair Walsh, from 22, 43, and 47, but all were going in the other direction. This is a 27-yard field goal attempt from the left hash mark for Blair Walsh to try to give the Vikings the lead. The snap, the kick is up. Missed it's it. no good! Are you kidding me? It's no good! Oh, baby, it's Christmas in Minnesota! <laughs> and the Seahawks have dodged a bullet from 26 yards out. Matt Blair misses, Blair Walsh, I beg your pardon, misses the field goal attempt. And Seattle now with 22 seconds left. And the Vikings have no timeouts left. One kneel down, and the Seahawks will move on to Carolina. That's crazy. Holy catfish, do you believe it? Isn't that fascinating? That's pretty The two funny. different ones. But they both said, are you kidding me? <laughs> and that's on two different coasts, you know? <laughs> it's true. I think Al Michael said the same thing. I mean, listen, it was it was supposed to be a chip shot. That's not supposed to happen. That happens in the movies. Or what happened, that happened to the, the Giants, you know, in the Super Bowl. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's uh, fascinating. People always make fun of that guy from the Buffalo in the Super Bowl that he missed, you know, wide right, right they always say, or wide left, whatever it is. Right. Um, that guy's name was Norwood, I think. Scott Norwood. And in 1990, when Bill Parcells was coaching the team, uh, you know, Buffalo missed the field goal, which sent the Giants to their second Super Bowl. Right. But what they don't talk about is, I mean, the 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 Buffalo, um, they couldn't get any further. I mean, it's like that's that was a 47 yard. That's not a chip shot. Right. You know, sometimes it's tough to make those. You sure. Know? I mean. They make fun of that guy, but it's not—it's not his fault. The Buffalo couldn't get him any closer. Right. Well, whose fault is that? I yeah. feel bad for that dude. I mean, that guy—that poor guy's life is probably just as bad as uh, Bill Buckner. Buckner's. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. Who only was, you know, relieved on the Larry David <laughs> curve your enthusiasm uh, right. lately. So, took him twenty so, years. Yeah, I really did bad. I did. I did another. I did a reverse this week. I was trying to make everything back. So then instead of taking the overs, I took the Seahawks and the Redskins, and the Seahawks only won by one. They were favored by four. I took the Redskins, the Packers killed them. <laughs> so the second half, I took the Packers and the over, which w worked out, but it just was too late. And uh, Monday night, of course, I, I won on the Clemson-Alabama game because I, I had the over, <laughs> which, was, which I was positive about, and I was right. But then I had um, Alabama minus six and a half, and then Clemson scored a garbage touchdown, and then they covered by six. I hate that. That's all right. So this week, Memo, your picks. I know you're not following it. No, but just, well, this is – you should – when are you going to learn your lesson is a question. Is a, you know. Memo, let me explain something <laughs> to you. I get it. When I, I was it. talking to the guy who is the interim for the bookie, right. I said, I don't think I have the money. He's like, you know, you, then you shouldn't be playing. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I don't need you to tell me that. I know. He's like, so – what can I do? He's like, well, you're not going to be able to play this week if you don't pay. And I'm like, all right, I'll find the money. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's what I should be like. You know what? You're right. You know, but I paid the money so I can play this week. <laughs> it's true. But now your mother doesn't have a house, and that's not nice. <laughs> well, I've had to borrow from her before, <laughs> and I feel bad because, you know, she can't go to Florida a lot because I do. I mean, it is a problem, but the thing is I lost a 1000 bucks, but I've been playing all season. That's the first time I had to pay. That's good, I guess. It's not good, but I love betting on football. So this week, now obviously don't listen to my picks, people. <laughs> we have the Chiefs at the Patriots. That's the first game. Patriots are favored by four and a half. That line went down. I should have gotten it. My friend told me to get the Chiefs at six. That's a good deal because it's definitely going to go down. Went down four and a half. Your thoughts? 
uh, at four and a half. I guess I I guess the pat I would still go with the Pats, but it's hard to bet against the Pats at yeah. home. So that's a really tough bet. Yeah, I don't know. I but mean, the Pats aren't playing as well. And the Chiefs have won twelve in a row. I know it's true. It's true. But but it how do you bet to, against the Pats at home, especially in the postseason? You know, that's the over is forty three, very low. But the Chiefs are have an amazing defense. So I don't know. So you haven't made your decision yet? or you? No, I have not. I really I can't decide. How, the Packers-Cardinals. The Cardinals are favored. That's the Saturday night game. Cardinals are favored by seven because they beat the crap out of the Packers last time. But the Packers were playing really good last week. As right. When I said the Packers were through because something was wrong, I don't know. They came back last week playing like the regular Packers, but right. they were playing against Washington the Redskins, who are not good. Right. Cardinals are really good. Right. So I don't know. That's a full touchdown to give. Yeah, that seems like I Cardinals. never bet against the Cardinals at home. But seven's a lot. I'm surprised that that line is seven. The 50, though, I like that. 50 over under. 50 over Both under? Both teams score a lot. Yeah, okay. And then Sunday, Panthers over the Seahawks. That's my favorite bet. I'm taking the Panthers. Minus the Seahawks shouldn't even be there. Right. Seahawks shouldn't even be there. They got well, lucky. I mean, it's hard playing in the cold and everything. The Seahawks have been playing good, but they've had a couple of hiccups the past week. I like the Panthers. I know this is a very easy thing for the Panthers to not go to the next level because they were doing so well all season. They only lost one game. Where are they playing? In Carolina. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I can see this happening. This happens a lot where the team that was undefeated up until, you know, week 16 right. goes home. It happens much more than you'd think. I guess. But I don't know. I like the Panthers. I want to pick them. I want them to do well, but that never works. I'm betting with my heart on <laughs> well, that. Well, that's the one. thing. I think the answer is just wait till you pick and then we pick the Excellent opposite. point. Yeah. And then you have the Broncos minus six and a half over the Steelers. Steelers, again, they shouldn't be there either. Right. And Ben Rutherford, he's got a bad shoulder. Right. And Peyton Manning's back. I'm going with the Broncos in on that one. Yeah, that's a hard sell with a guy that can't throw. That's why they don't have the over or under set yet. But I God, I want Peyton Manning to do well. I'd love to see him go back. You know, I love him, and you know, that's the sure. story. All right, uh, how about this? Or he's going to be the first rock star that ever plays Broadway, starting September twenty third, in which he is going to perform in uh, not in a rock concert. But in a straight play, Bernard, uh, Bernard uh, Pomerantz is the Elephant Man, which is a very unusual play. And uh, David's an innovator. He, he started things and set trends for groups when uh, that hadn't even been thought of. And he's got a remarkable new album out. He's going to do two songs for us tonight about, about space. The first one is called Life on Mars, which he recorded about a decade ago, I think. And the uh, second is called Ashes to Ashes, which is his latest single. He better be good after this. <laughs> Featured on the new album called Scary Monsters. Would you welcome, that's to be released the 15th of this month. Would you welcome David Boyle. To the girl with the mousey hair And her mother is yelling no and her father has told her to go But her friend is nowhere to be seen As she walks through a sunken dream To the seat with the clearest view And she's hooked to the silver screen 
because it's just so powerful and yeah, uh, now you know that he's dead it's like even it almost made me cry because it's very show tune-ish right. <laughs> you know so for me it, like I like it a lot and um, it's really powerful like arena rock kind of stuff you know yeah um, it's a great 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 tune that's that's not off what album is that off of that's do you know that's on Hunky Dory I Hunky believe. Dory yeah which is one of his best he got to do two songs on The Tonight Show in 1980 uh, <laughs> I guess at that point he was you know, ridiculously popular. It's funny yeah. being on the Tonight Show, and that's pretty standard. Right. And then he was doing the Elephant Man at that time. I totally remember that. Too. Right. Right. Um, it's just is your when it's is it super loud in your headphones? Like when no. it's on? oh, it's so loud in mine. Oh, you mean when you play the when clips? I play it? But I know it's not. It's registering correct, you know. But it's so I always feel bad for. My it is a little group. loud, but right. I have to make it that. But I don't know why I can't. Why it's like that? Like why? Because uh, you know I have to. I just register it through that anyway. Right. Um. Yeah, so uh, that was Bowie on The Tonight Show in 1980. And uh, I bought Memo in because, as you know, Memo and I made a movie called uh, Turbo Charge. <laughs> yes. The unauthorized story of the cars, the band The Cars. Bowie was not in it. No. But when we were having the screening, <laughs> before the movie, um, I was showing videos from The Cars. Uh, that I had a VHS tape and it had a couple scenes from us redepicting the scenes that they were doing and it was the perfect thing to show but for some reason Memo wanted to show his PowerPoint presentation <laughs> on true. David Bowie it's true and I of course remember this because I couldn't even believe my ears that he wanted to do it. and not only did he was so adamant about it he went to the projectionist behind my back no. and said hey here's my powerpoint presentation you can show it like this and here's what you have to do and and i get it and it, he was proud of it and i totally get it and certainly i was not against seeing a david bowie presentation but i explained to memo memo <coughs> we just made a movie about the band the cars it's true this is a very tough sell if we show a David Bowie PowerPoint presentation <laughs> before we show our movie that is, quote, retarded, as Sarah Silverman calls it, people will be even more confused. So is it possible to do it at a later date? <coughs> and then the funny thing is, Memo told me he was performing in Bushwick one day, and can he come down? And I'm like, what are you doing? I'm showing a presentation of David Bowie on a PowerPoint. <laughs> I'm like, you won't stop with this thing. So how can I not invite Memo true. today? Now, I like David Bowie as much as you do, but, um, boy, you were adamant about it. Well, what made you decide <laughs> to do a PowerPoint presentation at that time no, in the, 2008? The, the timing was coincidence. It was just I just had the idea that he's the guy is so fascinating. And, and, like, he does so many different weird things, right? And you can – that, like, half of it you wouldn't believe anyway. And then, I don't know, you start – 
thinking about the fact that you could make shit up and you wouldn't know what stuff is real and what isn't. And then I just started kind of mixing the two, you know, like mixing the I facts totally understand. and the It's just like why did, when we were working on nonstop cars, but if we were working on nonstop cars for like, you know, six months. Four years. Why all this? All right. Uh, How I Wasted My Summer is the title of the actual. Um, why did Bowie come to mind at that time? No, you know, no. It I, I had nothing to do with the cars. It was just an, I don't know. I was on a subway. I don't remember when it came up. I just started thinking about it and like. The jokes just started coming to my mind, and I just kind of—I think part of it was I thought there would be something funny you could do like live, um, using like the PowerPoint format, right? Which is such a boring—you know—it's like every meeting they use PowerPoint. Somehow I thought of like that sort of genre, if you want to call it a genre, but then with something funny. And for some reason, Bowie just—I don't know—I don't remember exactly how it all fused together. Well, I finally saw it; it was well put together. <laughs> yeah, it does, I, I've performed like. Four or five times, and it always does really well. People really laugh. Like yeah, that, a lot. that just wasn't the time for it. No, That's all. I, I wasn't, totally I wasn't agree. trying to. I wasn't angry. <laughs> no, you're <laughs> absolutely right. I think I, although the the projectionist part you made up, but other than that, I don't think I did. <laughs> yeah, it was, I don't think I did. <laughs> no, I just mentioned it over the phone, and but you were right. But your actual quote was. No one's going to laugh except for you and John Benjamin, <laughs> which is totally true. Why did I say John Benjamin? Was he a big Bowie fan? No, because it was super dry humor. Oh, because he's weird, right? And, yeah. and like he would find it funny. He didn't even like the Cars movie. <laughs> no, I remember he, he was in the audience. I go, what did you think of the movie? <laughs> it was weird. I was like, why did I go to you? And then he left. Yeah, and then he took off. Like, uh, but yeah, he was but good. He was like, why was I in this movie? <laughs> he's amazing in the movie. Anyway, um, the thing is, uh, I, I was just, first of all, it's so weird. I mean, obviously all this Bowie stuff's coming out. So last night I get home on Showtime. They have a David Bowie documentary that they clearly just put out and you know, <laughs> changed their schedule. Right. It's called Five Years. Have you seen it? No. It's the pivotal five years in Bowie's life. So it goes from like 72 to, you know, they take chunks of years right. to Let's Dance. And, um, you know, it was pretty. I mean, it's just, you know, sometimes you forget that he's an artist. <clears throat> right. You know, but the fascinating thing that I found from the from going through his music and from watching, you know, whatever and, and remembering him is that like when I was watching this thing from 72, he's in the Ziggy Stardust costume. Right. And he's singing. What song? Um, not uh, maybe, maybe five years. Is that the name of the song? Well, there is a song. Oh, uh, he wasn't singing that. He was singing a hit. It was uh, fashion or something like that. And it's funny because from the way he looked and the way and the small venue he was performing in this particular video, he just looked like a mess. Like one of those bands you'd see as a joke in a documentary. (laughs) And yet he's sitting there playing his song, a complete hit that we know and love. And when I was looking through every album, I have his list of albums. In 1967, he did the David Bowie self-titled album, right. which they think they renamed, right? Uh, no, the oh, second one. Oh, no, no, they one. renamed the, the second, second one, one Space Oddity. Right. right, okay. The first one was like a total disaster, and it doesn't have any hits, and it's really weird music, but it's kind of fun. Right. Uh, so the third one is The Man Who Sold the World, which is a song I, I didn't know. Which Nirvana covered. In yes, that, but, but here's the thing. <clears throat> right, now I know it. Hold on, I think it's coming. Now, I must have heard this riff a hundred times. Maybe from Nirvana? Maybe. Never knew it was Bowie. Bowie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is a... Because this is very 60s. I passed up on the stage. It doesn't sound like him. <laughs> I thought it was one of those bands I was afraid of as a kid. <laughs> 
You know, it's so hippie and psychedelic, it it made me nervous. It is psychedelic. But I mean, everybody knows that riff. Yeah, it's a great, a great, great tune. That's the thing. He was, he was an amazing, uh, you know, you know me, you know my taste. I like pop. I like, you know, I like good rhythms and melodies. Right. And even though he was avant-garde, he was able to make songs with good rhythms and melodies. But he's like David Byrne. Like, he manages to to do really crazy things in a very accessible way. So it's really catchy music, even though it's crazy and out there. I think I only know this one from Nirvana and thought it was theirs. Had no idea that they covered it. Yeah, No yeah. idea. Yeah, they did this a good one, job with that. I only know for, I'm like, then I would probably figure, like, oh, this is Nirvana. Right. I, I thought for sure it was them, but they covered it perfectly. Their sound's really good, too. Yeah. So then uh, then the Hunky Dory, which I think really... Ah, it's a masterpiece. That's the one, Yeah, right? that's yeah. a great one. I mean, I don't know that that's his biggest album, but that's my No, favorite. but that's what maybe made it, <clears throat> made it put him to a new level. Because then it's funny, like I said, you have this guy. Oh, that's what he was doing. He was singing Changes in the video that I saw. And Changes, I mean, look at the way it's... All these openings are amazing. They're all so theatrical. Right. And this one was the first one I remember... Uh, I didn't know it was him, right? But I remember enjoying it, listening like on the radio, even though like, you know it's like five, right? But I, you know, I heard it my whole life. I didn't know it was him. I thought it was interesting because I remember going the chit 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 chit, you know, <laughs> right? But I, this is the one I saw him singing, where it didn't look like it matched because it's like a huge hit and it's sure. poppy and it's, you know, so it's interesting when you go through the albums. He had a hit on every album, even the albums that suck. Right up through tonight. So few people right up through tonight. Yeah. Oh no, never let me down. Actually, was kind of hit. But I mean, I'm sorry. Tonight was the. Oh really? Never let me down. That was like. Was pretty. I'll play it in a second. Right. But yeah, um, he had one hit at least on every album. One song that everyone knows. That's uh, completely fascinating. I mean, you know how many people can't do that? Yeah. Where you. Many times I look at a, I'll look at a discography of uh, somebody for no reason. I have time to kill, and I'll be like, um, today I'm going to look at Fleetwood Mac discography, you know, and just look sure. at their things and look at it. Actually, that's a bad example because they have hits on all their albums too. They have a lot. But you see a lot of albums where they have nothing. Sure. You know, there's just like, and I look at the comments. I go to this AllMusic.com and they have like a whole bunch of reviews, and they're like, this one just did not satisfy anybody, <laughs> and um, it's fascinating. So when you look at somebody's thing and then we go to the next one the rise and fall Siggy stardust now you know you know that had but what's weird is that one um had suffragan city too which mm-hmm. i didn't realize that's where that came from it doesn't seem like it fits in that in that album it's Do a little like different album? i love that album yeah ziggy stardust yeah it's another favorite uh, uh it's not a controversial comment. Yeah, I don't have that because a lot of the songs I can't listen to anymore because I've overheard them. <laughs> that's a, that's a trouble with classic rock stations, right? You got like, yeah. It's like, what do you want to hear the Beatles? But again? the funny thing is, this I probably say on a daily basis even before he died. Um, just this. I just say that all the time. I just walk down the street, Ziggy play guitar. <laughs> just that last line for some reason. Um, but you mean Ziggy like the cartoon character? No, I don't. Oh. Well, that's what I thought it was, but uh, I was surprised that it wasn't about Ziggy. Yeah, it was not. Yeah, but I just like that. It's such an interesting song, and it's just it's worded so per- the spiders from Mars sounds just perfect for that's some true. reason. It's it's a little creepy. 
it's interesting, it's cool, and it just makes sense. It's true. And you don't even know why. Yeah, I don't know what to say. Like he, um, you know, it's interesting because he, like for a while, I always kind of assumed that he wasn't that good. He was just good at like teaming up with really talented people. Yeah. Because you like look at how many talented he's always got someone really talented with him. It's Ryan Eno or this guy or the. But then, like when you put it all together, you're like, well, like clearly, what does he bring to the table? He, but then you realize, no, it's not just like you could make an argument that it's just he was just always like using other people to like. You know, if you don't really well, know, I don't his think music. a lot of people know. But but you know, what I mean, he did and what he contributed. But now it turns out, after watching this documentary, no, but he did a lot. It That's was the all thing. him. This yeah. guy, he had one of the guys that was uh, that did the keyboards or the guitar on Ziggy Stardust, and he was playing the keyboards. Right. Um, and he goes, "Well, see, the thing about Bowie is, here's the song, and he was playing it. I'm mocking playing the piano, right? Uh, if you can see, me. and he's he's playing the piano, and he goes, "Well, this is the way the song goes," and he's playing it. And he goes, and normally anybody else in the history of music would go here and because it sounds in your voice like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. right. But Bowie goes here, which is brilliant because it brings on this whole – the way he was describing it <laughs> right, was uh, right. really interesting because you're like – you just – simply because he was so theatric, you don't think of him as a musician right. a lot of times. Right. He had so much else going on that – you know, like <laughs> that's what I always thought about it in like, my next life. Like I would love to compose an album – and then do a bunch of stuff with it, which is what he did. But you, a lot of times you just didn't concentrate on the music right? because he was all out there doing so much other stuff. Yeah, but he did actually write a lot of those tunes like himself, which is impressive. Well, uh, here's something that, uh, you know, if you – we have this one. So I was looking at what the input was for this, and it's uh, back and forth. On who came up with what, who did what. Of course, right. he did this with Queen. Well, Queen was recording their out. They were recording in the studio, and he happened to come by. Oh, is and that? And they brought him in. They were in Montreux. I thought they planned to. I thought I did. Maybe I they know. planned to, but they were in the middle of recording, and they and he kind of just happened to be free. Or I mean, I don't know who called who or whatever, but they were the ones recording the music at first. But his, it's funny because no matter no matter what anybody did, like no matter. Who came up with what riff or whatever? No, it's totally a collaboration. It's got, yeah. it's a collaboration in the sense that his mark is on it, right? Oh, and totally. Because his voice and the way he talks and, and I mean, it just sounds like it could be a Bowie theme, but it right. also sounds like it could absolutely be a Queen song. Yeah, yeah. It is a Queen song. It's considered a Queen song. Yeah, it's yeah. It's on their album. They put it on their album. It's on Hot Space. So but this is what I found fascinating is that they were saying, well, who came up with the bassline? Was it Bowie? Was it whatever? But here's the original song called Feels Like, which which is uh, a demo. It's fascinating. This is Queen in the studio improvising. Have you heard this before? No, actually. Where do you, where do you get to? This is before Bowie intervened. Freddie Mercury's voice coming he's, he's amazing right if that's him improvising what a gift I see your face. You're not 
Yeah, it, it's pretty amazing. It's interesting, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they they clearly had that part, you know, whatever, and then he came in and just, uh, you know, totally. It's a total collaboration. Uh, so after that, he had Aladdin Sane, which had um, Gene Genie, right? Which I actually got to hear. Um, the guy from one of my favorite guys from the smithereens pat uh i can't think of his name right now while this is playing because uh, i was supposed to see him down in asbury park actually do this at a venue with my friend vera do what the entire album no he did he just oh. did this song oh, okay. he opened with this i always remember he opened with gene genie and i was like uh, again i don't think i knew it was bowie i was very um i didn't understand right music for a very long time <laughs> no and he wasn't uh, it's weird because uh, yeah, he was pop, he like he was he had radio hits, but I but I think a lot of people only knew him kind of as like this radio like unless you were a true fan, you didn't quite get his whole thing, yeah. you know. Well, I remember thinking he you know was crazy and weird, and right. I'll you know as a kid, you know basically afraid of him uh, <laughs> because you know he was wearing a dress. Right. You know, it's like I remember seeing things of him where it's like, oh, this guy puts on makeup. You know, whatever, like Kiss. You know, he scared he did you. Way before he did scare me. Or did he uh, turn you on a little bit? He did not. But then I remember when he just came out on Saturday Night Live. And if you ever see this clip, it's fantastic. Is when Martin Sheen is the host. Um, he first he comes out in the dress. <laughs> and I'm like, well, this guy just gave up. He's not even. He's not even. You know, he's not even being a drag queen. He just came out in a skirt. Right. I mean, I was like fascinated that he just doesn't give a crap. Right. I'll never forget as a kid. I remember I was fascinated that he just came out in a skirt. Like, I'm like, just, you know, it's not even fun. <laughs> right. He just came out in a, fem- in a green skirt. You know, it's a legendary skirt that you've seen a hundred times. It's just, sure. It was just so messed up. And, it, you know, it scared the hell out of me. <laughs> uh, not because I was turned out, just because it was completely different. This Saturday Night Live thing I saw the other day. If you ever see this video, he's, they have him, like, as a doll. Have you ever seen that one where he moves back and forth yeah, with just yeah. his big head? Yeah, that? I never crazy. saw that before. Yeah. Wow, that was amazing. They did lots. Back then, they actually had, were edgy and did lots of really interesting musicals. Saturday Night Live's always been edgy with their musical guests. Uh, I don't know. I think so. Uh, then he did the, in 1973, he did Pinups, uh, which was all covers. Yeah. And then he did Diamond Dogs. That was all right. Um, which was supposed to be like a 1984. <clears throat> yeah, it was supposed to, originally it was going to be like an Orwellian musical. And that had Rebel Rebel. So even if it's all right, it still had a major hit for And David Diamond Bowie. Dogs, which was a big hit. It went to number one in the UK, number five here. Yeah. So that's a pretty big hit. Then he had Young Americans, His, uh, which had Young Americans soul and fame album. in 1975. Yep. Uh, fame is a good, you know, what's great about fame is that it sounds, you know, it's like a total James Brown style song. And then James Brown loved it so much that he actually ripped Bowie off and made a song with that same riff. Really? And then yeah, I always thought, well, Bowie just ripped off James Brown. But no, he actually, Bowie's song inspired James Brown to copy oh, wow, a guy that was fascinating. copying him. It's pretty crazy. But James Brown loved it. I sometimes, like I said, I can't listen to that anymore. It's just too. Yeah, you've heard it a million times. You know? I don't no, know. I get it. Um, then Station to Station, and apparently, that's, I guess this was, was this part of that trilogy of Berlin? Well, it was like a that's Berlin when he, trilogy he and Eno, well, it's, they just call it that because Brian Eno and him started collaborating. and So uh, they did three albums together, or they I, did more yeah, than that? Yeah, three or four? No, three, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, Station to Station. That, and plus, that's when the Manda fell to Earth. 
happened, and so he oh, was, the movie, yeah. Oh, okay. So like the cover is from the man who fell to earth. So it was almost, almost like a soundtrack. <clears throat> no, I mean, I guess sort of inspired by the the movie, but it's, it's not really. A, it wasn't like a soundtrack. now the man who fell to earth is what that new play that's on off Broadway is with Lazarus. I guess it's based on that same character. This is uh, somewhat of a sequel. This is the last song he ever wrote, which is on his new album. From the play, I guess. But this, I don't, have you seen this video? Oh, and he's like coming up. Yeah. When he's dead. The last yeah, one. He, the, yeah, reason, yeah, yeah. the one that came out the day that he died. Yeah. They, they put it out. They, they, yeah, because they had it all planned. Right. That's what's so creepy. I mean, he planned his death. He gave this album as a gift to his fans. <laughs> right. Well, he. I mean, he, the guy had cancer. He and knew he, he was going to die. Dying. Yeah, but it's amazing to come out <laughs> with a new song and an album. And, be like, and then he. that video is way creepy now. <laughs> right. It has him in heaven. And, Look up here. I'm in heaven. I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I've got scars that can't be seen. He makes better music uh, dying of cancer than I can make uh, at all. That's not fair. I should be able to make a better song than him now. You will. Well, he had a pretty dry period, too. I mean, let's not forget. Oh, well, he pretty, I mean, he pretty much retired in a way, you know what I mean, I guess. <laughs> anyway, um... Yeah, then he had this album, Low. I don't think there was anything on there. No, no, no. Wait a minute. Low is one of the most influential albums he ever made. Why do you say that? Because it was half the album was basically instrumental music with Brian Eno, and it was well, completely... Sucks. No, Why I would mean, he do that? I know you yeah, I hate that. don't like that stuff, but from like the music point of view, Low has influenced every... For example, Philip Glass. You know who Philip Glass is? Ugh. An evening with Philip Glass? <laughs> just an evening? <laughs> right, right. That's from The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, look, Marge. An evening with Philip Glass? Oh, just an evening. I'm just I'm just saying. I'm just saying. A lot of people, like Philip Glass, actually did an entire cover of "Low." Really? Like his own version of that whole album. It was because it was blew him away. And what's the other side? The what? You said half the side. Is. Yeah, one side. The other side is like it's still weird pop, but it's like more pop music or whatever. But that's a huge album. Lowe's and his freaking. After expensive. that, in '77, he had "Heroes." Yeah, which has, has the song. Which has heroes. "Heroes." I like that song. I think I have that one because um, I like the overlying, uh, you know, whatever. This one, right? You know, reminds me of psychedelic furs, uh, right. pretty in pink in a way. You know, they Which probably ripped off. I might be wrong, but I think Robert Fripp is a guitarist on this song. Is that the guy from the furs? No, he's a guitarist oh. from King Crimson. So, Robert Fripp, I, you know what? That's the guy they had in the documentary. You're right. But I like that overlying, just the thing that goes throughout. What is yeah. what instrument is that? I think it's a guitar. It's electric guitar. And it just holds its note. Yeah, he sustains it. Yeah. I like this. I like this one for that reason. It's very uh, epic. That's Eno. Know? I think that that's definitely a very Eno. Yeah, because, you know, I got to say, like, this song, if you, that, like, I don't think it's that great of a song musically. I think what you just said is what makes it so amazing. Like, if you, like, you hear somebody play this song on a guitar in, like, a open mic night, oh, yeah. it's the most boring thing. You're just like, it goes on forever. It's really, you know, it's a really simple, slow song. I, I was going to do a night of this show. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just saying, but you're right. It's so amazing. Like, the way they arranged it is incredible. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's <laughs> epic. It, it is really epic, yeah. Now. 
So then in, in 79, which is, is when he um, was on the Saturday Night Live, that's the first time I ever found out who he was. Right. Like, I, where all these songs... I, I had no idea he did all these songs before. Right, right. The first one I remember, and maybe it's just because it has my initials, but um, this is the first one that I saw him do... You know, maybe on the midnight special, and I'm like, "Oh, this is a really good song," <laughs> because it, you know, because he was so weird. He was singing in that skirt, right? But then he's singing a song that I, you know, I was like, "I am a DJ. Right. I am what I play." Yeah. So I was like, and I remember because they had a commercial for the album, David Blaine, and I remember it was an interesting name for an album too. And that's like the first time I ever actually. And the cover is great because that I was in high school, so I kind of got it more. Right. He always had a riff that I liked, you know. He always had a melody which a lot of the other bands just didn't seem to get. Yeah, yeah. Like that guy was talking about last night. He would go to a place that made me happy (laughs) and went to that next level of of melody that I could appreciate and then later on appreciated his weirdness. Well, you know what? He really... started with the music for me first. What he's amazing, even when he wasn't writing great songs anymore, is he's always understood what was like really cutting edge and, and like interesting, like in art and everything. So even when... He was always bringing in like the latest and best, most interesting artists. Even in the '90s, even in the, like even when his songwriting was pretty shitty. Well, how do you explain this then? This is a commercial. Hello. You the you that there? It's been a long time since I've been the new anything. What's happened to? Uh, well, Bing Crosby was at the cutting edge at this, you know, the 1980s. Oh, I'm David Bowie. I live down the road. Oh, Sir Percival lets me use his piano when he's not around. He's not around, is he? I can honestly say I haven't seen him, but come on in. Come here. Come on in. Come on in. Are you related to Sir Percival? Well, definitely, yeah. Uh... Oh, you're not the uh, poor relation from America, right? <laughs> Gee, news sure travels fast, doesn't it? I'm Bing. Oh, I'm pleased to meet you. You're the one that sings, right? Well, right or wrong, I sing either way. Well, I sing too. Oh, good. What kind of singing? Well, mostly the contemporary stuff. Do you, uh, do you like? I love his voice. I yeah, like the so, way he talks. So and you know what the funny thing is? Well, he's, he's very polite in this. I mean, I don't know if he was, you know, in real. I, I, from what I've heard through the papers and everything I've heard, he was amazing. He was a great person. He lived apparently, you know, in the village. Yeah, he, he just hung out. He got coffee and everything. So. This thing is funny because I was reading about it, and the only reason he did it is because his mother worshipped Bing Crosby, so he said he was going to do it. But he apparently came in. I was watching it yesterday. He came in in the makeup, the fur coat, and somebody <laughs> came over like, "Take that off! Take that off! Get off fat! Get off fat!" Um, and then he took because he looks perfectly normal and he's wearing a nice suit and everything. Right. He looks great in it. it. And it's funny because when he opened the door before I read about it, I was like. Oh, look, he was polite to Bing Crosby. He came in all dressed up as a normal person, you right. know. And then I found out later that was not the case. And he was going to leave because he hated the little drummer boy or whatever this is. This is a little drummer yeah. boy, right? <laughs> yeah. He hated it. So they said, well, what if you do a different part? Which well, is- oh, I think it's marvelous. Some of it really fine. Plus, also, when you hear his voice, you can actually hear his accent, which in so many British singers, you don't hear. Right. And that's what makes his voice interesting, too. Now tell me, uh, you ever listen to any of the older fellas? <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Like uh, John Lennon and the other one, uh, <laughs> Harry Nilsson. Mm-hmm. I don't know who that is. That Harry Nilsson. Huh? Who is that? He did Harry Nilsson. He wrote all these great tunes in the seventies. He did The Point. 
Remember that movie? Nobody knows what that is. Yeah, no, he's young Nilsson Schmilson. Come on. Nilsson Schmilson? That's what I'm telling you right now. <laughs> Nilsson Schmilson. You've heard Harry Nilsson. I have. Got a six-year-old son. And he really gets excited around the Christmas holiday mm -hmm. thing. Do you go in for any of the traditional things in the uh, boy household, Christmas town? Oh, yeah, most of them, really. Uh, presents, tree, decorations. Agents sliding down the chimney. What? I was just seeing if you're paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> What? Actually, uh, our family do team. most of the things that other families do. See, sing he's the same singing song a complete. Bowie's singing a completely different song. Do, he's not uh, singing the little drummer uh, boy. That's what made him. That's what, they, that's what pleased him oh, to I do, do it. Indeed, it's a lovely thing. It's interesting. They sound so good together. The whole thing is just so surreal. But yeah, it's what, very surreal. I never, when we used to play it on the radio, I'm like, where did this come from? I never I didn't see the video at first. <laughs> To see, bum, bum, bum. <laughs> You're gonna lose I like when he goes off for that other song. He's on earth. He's on earth. Can it be? Years from now, perhaps we'll see. Yeah, that's a classic, right? I mean, it's, it's just good stuff. It's really funny, and they sound good together, and um, it's just really funny. And I love the whole part of it where they're just, you know, talking. I mean, it's old school Bing in a way, the way he would be in every movie, like with Sinatra or something. Like, you must be one of the younger guys. You're always the old guy. I mean, uh, yep. <laughs> he looked amazing in it, though. But it's really classic to uh, such an interesting dude. The fact that he did that. This is. Um, so then, now you're coming into like where I kind of we got a lot know, of albums to go here. Well, no, then you have the scary monsters and super creeps, which has ashes to ashes, which we played, which is right. actually my one of my favorite songs. Yeah, I just it's love a great that opening. But then you get into the let's dance, and that's and and apparently he went to Niall Rogers, mm -hmm. is that his name, mm -hmm. and said, "I want a hit. Right, I want a hit. Everybody is documented." And he did it, and then he made three albums with this guy, right? right. Um, and he had those hit, which he calls his Phil Collins phase, because now he's angry about it, right? Because he had to get back and be like, "No, I, I, I got to be weird again." Uh, but this is, I mean, this is where everybody got into him, and he did have his hits, and yeah. he was so angry about it. <laughs> I don't know why, but no, I mean, he realized he lost kind of respect because he was so polished so in commercials. Yeah, so. but then he was playing arenas. Right. And, you know, it was, like, really exciting. And I can't even play Let's Dance anymore because I can't listen to it anymore. You should play uh, Modern Love. Then. I love Modern Love. I do have that one because that's one of my favorites, especially the way it starts. He's always got the riff, you know? I love this one. Yes. I love my Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> <laughs> Karaoke now. I never know any lyrics. But I try. I try. I mean, it's so awesome, and it's so. It's so great. 
Yeah, it's really good. And then, uh, you know, I mean, this is really, this is almost racist, but it's so good. You know? <laughs> <laughs> ah, so, uh, I don't know if you can make a song like this today with that melody and uh, Iggy Pop. This calling a China girl. You know, like, would that be considered racist at this point? I don't know. I don't know. But they're using the, the Chinese song. You know, they found a way to. Yeah. He wrote this song for Iggy Pop. But. Oh, why didn't he? Why didn't he? Keep I think he did record it. Oh. Um, but this album has my favorite, one of my favorite Bowie songs. Which one is that? Cat would, People? Cat? No, no, no. Um, I figured you for a Cat People person. No, no, you he, know. Yeah, he would put that fucking song on every album he had. <laughs> Blue Jean. No, that's the next album. You got it wrong. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought we moved to tonight. No, still on. Let's dance. I'm sorry. This is Cat People. He put it on like every album. It was so boring. I don't know why people. I mean, I don't think people liked it. He loved it. Right. Right. Yeah. That's a movie, right? Yeah. I. It's horrible. It ruined the Let's Dance album. You know. (laughs) Well, yeah. The flow. The thing about Let's Dance is like, other than those three hits, it's an okay album. Right. 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 Not that great. Look at that. I'm, I'm skipping. Oh, here, at least it pits up. Yeah, tonight, Blue Jean is my favorite song, too. Yeah, um, I love that I song. mean, I absolutely, absolutely And I love it. the 20-minute music video. I was going to do that instead of Rick Ocasek. You know my favorite line in this, right? No. I think it's the next verse. She got turned up nose. That's the end of the line. No, that's not it. It really is a great song. It's a great tune. Again, a bad album, but a great song. I'm gonna get the faculty together. What? Remember. <laughs> I used to make fun of that. Lie. I didn't understand. I'm gonna get the faculty together. Okay, now let's talk about the 20 minute video. Now. It's the best. I. That's the worst. <laughs> but it, it awesome. makes so much sense that you would like it. Okay, there's several things about this. Now, this was when I was in college, so. First of all, this is when MTV was at its height. David Bowie at his height. First of all, David Bowie, the hands down the pioneer of music videos. And probably during Let's Dance in 1983, people didn't even realize he was the pioneer. In 1971, he was making music videos. That's true. Besides Paul McCartney, I mean, who was just doing regular stuff, Queen and David Bowie, which makes sense, uh, were making music videos. So for this guy, you know, when the music video, finally he's like, all right, for my next album, I'm going for it. Makes it, you know, he's 
super hot, and he's gonna he makes a 22 minute. I'll never forget the worst <laughs> fucking video I've ever seen in my life, directed by Julian Temple. And I remember because there were many factors of why. You know, you you can tell me what you like about it in a second. <laughs> it's just so but, ridiculous. It's like Michael Jackson's 20 minute video. Oh, so you didn't like it? No, I loved it. Oh, you loved because, it back I mean, then. It's just so out there. It's I, so crazy. Hey, you know, I, we were waiting. For, I mean, MTV was like, we're like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna premiere every hour on the hour for the next 48 hours. <laughs> and and it's horrible. Now, um, this is my now he so he plays uh, a, a nerd yeah. who's trying to meet David uh, David Bowie like character, right. a rock and roll guy, and he meets a girl and stuff. Now I'll never forget this. Now here's one of the lines from the scene. I know that man. We got that years. Nice man, you couldn't wish to be. Anyway. David Hockney introduced us. I write his, uh, I write his lyrics, essentially. Well, introduce me to him. Yeah, all right. No sweat. I'll uh, give him a ring, take to his show, and uh, introduce you to him afterwards. That's your phone number. Do you hear what he said? It's your phone number. He says, "Is that your phone number?" That's your phone number. Okay. Throughout time, this came out in '84. I don't think they ever played it. Like the, I, they never like played the whole thing again. Like they played that. it for 48 hours, right. you know. <laughs> but then never again. Okay, never again, right? So, was 1984? Yeah. And this is 2016. 84, 85. I can't remember something like that. Yeah, '84. Right. Tonight came out in '84. Anytime a girl gives me her phone number, I say that line. <laughs> And nobody knows. And I say it with the accent. Is that your phone number? And nobody knows what I'm talking about. That includes. I watched with this really pretty blonde girl in college. Her name was Christine. I'll never forget it. And she was gorgeous. And she came in my room. I'll never forget because I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, we went out, and then she's like, "Hey, I'm I'm gonna get comfortable and then come over to your house. Gonna come over and watch the video. And then she puts on like little tank top and shorts mm-hmm. and comes over. And I'm like. I wonder if she likes me. <laughs> you know, I, I couldn't figure it out. And then it got so bad that she she came to my door one day. She goes, "Do you like me?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, yeah, baby. What's happening?" You know, like, I had no idea what was happening. So we watched this video with her, and she gave me her phone number. I was like, her phone number. She had no idea what I was talking about. She had no idea. That goes, why would anybody pick up that one thing from it's a 20 true. minute video that I've used for what is it, 30 years or is it I 40 guess, years? You can't hate it that much. If 30 years, well. But I did. I hated it. But I. It stuck with me. And then this part stuck with me. This is the ending. I'm speechless. I'm speechless. You can Ivan Randy Bogus Oriental old queen. Your record sleeves are better than your songs. Car stops. Girl gets out. Hold on, Julian. What? The car's meant to stop. This is what I remember. He's he's ta- the the whole you're watching a 22 minute video. Then all of a sudden he's talking to the director, Julian. The car's <laughs> supposed to stop. He's like Julian. So that line I would do all the right. time. I I must have done it when we were doing the Cars movie. Maybe J- Julian. What what are we doing here? I mean, I would talk about it nonstop in college. It was just like it didn't make any sense. <laughs> that all of a sudden it becomes like a, a he breaks the third fourth wall. Right. Or whatever. Sound, runs over to me. Boy, right. please go. Uh, now look, it's my concept, my neck. <laughs> Yeah, he's 
Look, it's my song, my concept, my neck. I told you before, Julian, if she gets into the car with the rock star, it's far too obvious. Don't you start. Yeah, she's like, shut up, you old bat. You know, don't you start. It's my concept, my neck. It's like a, he's yeah, so he's full fun of, himself. of himself. I know he's making fun, but uh, you know, it comes off as just being like, look at this guy. He's like, we get it. You, it's your concept. And right. Julian. So whenever I see that guy's name, I'm like, oh, that poor guy. I was like, whenever I saw his name again, I was like, right. oh, that poor dude, Julian Temple. Um, you had to wait 15 minutes to get to Blue Jean right. to see the actual song. Right. Now, um, now let's look at uh, Michael. No, sorry. Uh, What's going on for here? the Grammys? He never won uh, a Grammy. Sorry, right. he was never even nominated, which is amazing, because if you're talking about art and music, yeah, but the Grammys are never of, about art. That, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> right. I mean. But half of his albums before Let's Dance should have been nominated. Of course, they have to nominate Let's Dance, right? So, uh, so the record of the year, or the album of the year, in 1984, Let's Dance, Billy Joel, An Innocent Man, <laughs> Synchronicity, The Police. Tough competition. Which is, yeah. Billy Joel, you can c- cut out. Right. That's not his greatest album. Right. It's a good one, but it's not a classic. Right. The P- Synchronicity, it's pretty good. that's a true classic. And then the Flashdance soundtrack. <laughs> right. Guess what beat them all out? I guess Flashdance. I don't remember. Thriller. Oh, right, right, right. How the fuck are you going to beat that? Yeah. It was, these are all 83. It's oh, 84 the, awards. Oh, oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. So it's all 83. How are you going to beat Thriller? Yeah, you're not going to You put thriller. out an album the wrong goddamn year. <laughs> I know. How are you going to beat Thriller? And synchronicity? I mean, right. these two, you guys put out the wrong year <laughs> to sweep. So the record of the year, the songs, uh, Every Breath You Take. Right. How does that lose? <clears throat> all night long, Lionel Richie. Remember that night? Ooh, all night he's just right. going that fucking Michael Jude. <laughs> Maniac from the Flashdance soundtrack. <laughs> right. Flashdance. What a feeling from right. Ankara. But what won was Michael beat it. Of course. How are you gonna? How are you going to beat it? How? Oh, I see what you did there. No, that's not what just happened. Song of the year. Mm. All night long, Lionel Richie. Beat it. Billy Jean. Maniac <laughs> from the Flash Dance soundtrack. You know what beat it? Every uh, breath you take. Oh yeah! And finally, now think about how how good that song has to be. Yeah. To be anything on the Thriller album. It's true. Now, uh, best new artist that year. I, you know, I'm fascinated by this. You like <laughs> yeah. this too, right? That's sort of, but best new artist that year. Best new artist that same year. It's hilarious. Here's the category. Jesus. Big country. Come on. You know you love I know this. big country. Yeah. I know. Eurythmics. Uh-huh. You ready for this one? Men without hats. Of course. Musical youth. Yes. Past the dutchie. You know, oh, is that yeah, them? Oh, my yeah. God. They're horrible. You know who won? Not they, musical youth. No, I, I didn't tell you who. Right. No, I else was can't remember. Culture Club. Of course. Well, that makes sense. The year before that, who won? You want, let's just I know Christopher the, Cross got it in 1980. I know that. Oh, did he? Here's, I'm going to give you the category because it's, it's like a I know. roadmap of time. Yeah. In 1983, the year before, we're talking about the Let's Dance and everything. Right. Best New Artist category. Asia. <laughs> Jennifer Holliday. 
Stray Cats. Okay. Human League. Right. Who won? You ready? Yeah. You're gonna love it. Men at work. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how could they be nominated the next year then? The Men without hats. That's what you're thinking. Right. They weren't nominated. Oh, Men at Work. I'm yeah. sorry. Right. Of course. Well, right. They were. 1985. The next the next year after. Mm-hmm. Corey Hart. <laughs> Frankie goes to Hollywood. All right. Sheila E. Yeah. The Judds. <laughs> Cindy Lauper won. Yeah, that makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah. I just like the time thing. <laughs> now, in 1984, the best video short form. Uh, Not Blue Jean. No. Because that 84, this is from the Let's Dance album. Right. How are you going to beat this? Girls on film, Hungry Like the Wolf. Yeah, it's tough to beat. Hungry that. Like the Wolf. That won. Sure. There was no way to beat that. Right. There's no way to beat I don't understand how Michael Jackson didn't win it. He wasn't even nominated. It's weird. I think that was a strange category back then. The next year, he finally won a Grammy for best video for Jasmine for Blue Jean. That stupid video, <laughs> David Bowie. He won for that. <laughs> Love because it. that was, you're welcome. Right. Here you go. Right. We messed up. So in 1984, again, we're going back. Yeah. Best male pop vocal. He's not even nominated. Okay. Not even nominated. But look what is up there. Tough year. Mm -hmm. Prince. Okay. For 1999. Sure. Lionel Richie for All Night Long. Whatever. I mean, seriously, that's that's a ridiculous album. Sure. That idiot Michael Sambello from Maniac <laughs> right. and Billy Joel for Uptown Girl. Right. But Michael Jackson won for Thriller. Of course. But David Bowie should have been nominated for Best Male Pop Vocal. Yeah, it's kind of weird. He's nominated for Best Male Rock Vocal in that same year for that stupid Cat People song off that album <laughs> yeah. that's what he's nominated for on that entire album with China Girl I know. Modern Love and Let's I, Dance he's nominated for the stupid cat people I don't know why you get so obsessed with the Grammys though when it never makes sense they like I never make sense because they're idiots that's why I like it <laughs> Phil Collins right. for I Don't Care Anymore he doesn't Bob Seger for The Distance and Rick Springfield for Affair of the Heart which actually is not a big song <laughs> and uh, everybody got beaten by Michael Jackson right. again you're not going to beat them no that makes sense the next year in 85 David Bowie is nominated for Best Male Rock Vocal for Blue Jean. Right. He's nominated. Okay, here's who he's up against. All right. Tough competition. Billy Idol for Rebel Yell. That's good. Yeah. Elton John for Restless. That's a joke. That's just, uh, again, <laughs> right. thank you for being Elton John. Right. John Cougar Mellencamp for Pink Houses. Sure. And he got beaten out by, and what are you going to do? Bruce Springsteen for Dancing in the Dark. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. What are you going to do? Where are you going? It was a big era for rock stars, yeah. In 1998, he got nominated again for Best Alternative Music Album. Now, that is a category he should have won every single year. 98, you said? Yeah. Yeah. 98. For, you know, that stupid probably uh, black tie thing or something. Earthling, I think. Best. Oh, you're absolutely right. It's Earthling. Best Alternative Music Album. He should have been nominated. Every album he had before that should have been nominated for Best Musical. Of course. He developed that category. Of course. So he's nominated. He's up against Bjork, <clears throat> the Chemical Brothers, the Prodigy. I never even heard any of these Prodigy, people. Prodigy, come on. But he lost to, which is okay, Radiohead. Radiohead, of course. You knew. Yeah. They, they owned that year. They were... He's nominated again... In 1998, 
for Dead Man Walking, best for best, best male rock vocal. All right. Okay, this this is a travesty. Well, we've talked about this before. He's up against John Fogarty, John Mellencamp, and Bruce Springsteen. He loses to Bob Dylan. <laughs> you remember he won Bob Dylan won everything that year and everybody right. was furious. Right. Remember? Remember? Yeah. We talked about this yeah, before. Yeah, it was just yeah. as bad as Beck winning last year or right. whatever that happened. Right, right. In 1999, uh, I'm just fascinated by this. He he wasn't nominated. But um, 1999, 2000, 2001, 2002, four years in a row, one person run, won for best male rock vocal 1999 2000 2001 2002 who is it uh my brain you're asking me now um what was i gonna ask you oh no 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 i just ask you on the phone when you leave no 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 i don't know i don't know what the hell's the matter with you uh four years in a row uh drawing up it's better not and bowie was nominated as long as it's not dave matthews we're good thank god it's Lenny Kravitz. Oh, right, right. One for Fly Away, American Woman, Again, and Dig In. Right. And he beat Bowie once again for a song, I guess, called Thursday's Child or whatever. He That year, in 2001, he was up again. Lenny Kravitz beat Bowie, Dylan, Don Henley, and Nine Inch, Nine Inch Nails. Right. He was nominated again in 2003. He was up against Elvis Costello, Peter Gabriel, and Robert Plant. And he lost to Springsteen again. <laughs> that stupid song, The Rising, which was a bag of crap. <laughs> it's a terrible song. Yeah. So it gets worse in 2004, the last time he was nominated. Nope. I'm sorry. He was nominated again in 2014 somehow. But uh, 2004, he's nominated. He's up against Bob Dylan again. They worship this idiot, Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan should <laughs> never be nominated for Best Male Rock Vocal, unless it's the 60s. Right. And as a joke. Right. So he's up against Dylan, Lenny Kravitz, which he's probably like, oh, crap. Right. Uh, Tom Waits. And he loses to Dave Matthews. Sorry. <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> Everybody hates Dave Matthews. Oh Everybody's finally on a Dave Matthews sucks kick. I've been on this since day one. I never liked Dave Matthews. Nobody does. In 2014, he's nominated again with the Alabama Shakes. Oh. Led Zeppelin. I don't know how that's possible. Huh. Queens of the Stone Age, and he loses to Imagine Dragons. That's beyond my era. He's nominated for Best Rock Album in 2014. The next day. The next day, exactly. You know his stuff. That's a good album. He, he's up against, and I don't know how this is possible, Black Sabbath, <laughs> Kings of Leon, that makes sense, Queens of the Stone Age, Neil Young, and he loses to, and this is what I, this is impossible. I don't know how you lose to a band that doesn't exist. He loses to Led Zeppelin. <laughs> how the hell is that? This is 2014, people. This is two years ago. Right. I don't know. How the hell do you lose best rock album to a band that doesn't exist? I don't know. Since for 30 years. I couldn't. They didn't. Now, Black Sabbath, I know they came back with a new album. I know they did. I know Neil Young came out with a new album called Psychedelic Pill. Led Zeppelin. I don't know. What? What? What is? How is that possible? I don't know. What? What is that? I don't know. Memo, explain it. I don't know. And then remember, in 2015, we've talked about that Beck. Right. <laughs> that was last year. Right. How did that happen? Those people suck. So, uh, I don't know. Yep. 
Oh, so then remember, yeah. So anyway, he does that um, the Tonight album, and then he does the Never Let Me Down, which is the third Poppy album. And I think this is a really actually, I love this song. <laughs> I like this song a lot. I like the way it goes. It's poppy. I mean, it's the kind of stuff I like, but it always has it has like an attitude and stuff, and I like it. It's a it's not a bad song. No, I like it a lot. So it's it's my kind of Dave Joscott like song. You know, it's poppy, but I like it a lot. But the best part of it is the reason is I saw the Never Let Me Down tour, which was called the Glass Spider tour. Adrian Ballou played guitar on that. Oh, he did. He was. I know you love him. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So me and Lawrence saw that tour. And finally, I, you know, I missed all the other ones. I, I don't know whether he even did it tonight. Well, I'm sure he did it less. Yes, but I saw yeah. the Glass Spider tour. Right. And, um, oh, I even think I have, uh, here's the opening from the Glass Spider tour. Where he comes down on a, on yeah. a huge chair. <laughs> on a giant, from, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, he, and he's so ridiculous. He's telling the story of the Glass Spider. <laughs> This is great though. It was a great opening. You can't understand a word he's saying. Can you imagine sitting here and being like, what the? F-? Well, you know. well, Dave just got sitting there being like, play something. Right. <laughs> I can imagine. Sing, sing cat people. <laughs> um, I don't know what he sings. Oh, he opens with something. Uh, this is an expensive tour. He opens with, what is it? Uh, something with water. Or there's no more water. What it? It's from the. Oh, it. Oh, it's called the glass spider. He opens with the song called the glass spider. <laughs> yeah, well, let's, why am I still here? I don't know. Um. Well, it's funny because I totally remember the song, but I had no idea. Like the the, the melody sounds. I remember listening to it right back then. I remember it wasn't a good song, but it wasn't a horrible song. Right. But the thing about that concert, which uh, is important, is that Lawrence and I went with dates in 1987. I took 
one of the waitresses from Bennigan's where I used to work. <laughs> and uh, I don't remember who he took, but we both had dates. Okay. And um, I was smashed. And Lawrence drove home, which never happens, but he had to because I was, you know, wasted. It's responsible. So me and my date are in the back of the car, and I am wasted. I am screaming and yelling. I'm singing the songs, and, <laughs> and you know, I'm like, never let me down. And I'm singing Bon Jovi, and I'm singing uh, Living on a Prayer. And I'm just talking a mile a minute. And finally, and Lawrence, we talk about this all the time. This is my best friend. And finally, he has just had it. And he flips. And he just goes, shut up. <laughs> shut the fuck up. What the hell is the matter with you? Like, he just loves I'm like, well, I didn't think you'd be so sorry. <laughs> so that's why I totally remember that concert because he flipped out. But it was a funny flip out. I mean, the girls were laughing so hard. Thank God. But... um I remember that because we were like so into Bowie. He was into Bowie way. He was in yeah, like you were in. He loves way before, and I was obviously you know I got in with when everybody else did in the poppy stuff. But <laughs> um, God, it was so great. Um, the the the, tour, the concert was great. Well, any concert's great when it's loud and it's your favorite songs and you're drunk or right. high or whatever. Right. So it was pretty good. And then remember after that, then he joined that band Tin Machine. Right. To try and get his rock cred back. Yeah, which was so cool. And yeah. every there's not one person that was just like, that's so genius. He just joined a band. Right. Well, he and started the band. Did he start the band? Yeah, with the I Gabriel I thought he just Brothers. joined. You know, I, well, whatever the case. So he yeah, formed yeah. a band. Yeah, yeah. He formed a band with not his name. It was just Tim right, Machine. Right, And not only did they do it, and it wasn't that great. Nobody even I cared, think they were but, great. You know, well, yeah. I, I thought this song was excellent, actually. Yeah, yeah. Under the God. Yeah, you knew it right away. Yeah. Because I didn't really care for any of the songs, but I was like, well, this one's pretty good. Yeah. The video's really good, too. The video's really good. It's yeah. really, you know, he just looks so cool. Right. He's so, he's the epitome of cool. He's older than all the other guys in the band. By like 20 years, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he's cooler than all of them put together. Right. You know, one of them, Soupy Sales Sun, <laughs> so right there. <laughs> But this this song rocks, yeah, and it's, and it's cool, and he's way cool, and and the best part is, Rostica, told yeah. you. Um, <laughs> he's way. I mean, just to to reinvent yourself that way when you you three, you did three pop albums and you did the right thing by not just doing one, and you did three and you really gave it a chance, and yeah. now you just want to do it because you're an artist and you want to reinvent yourself. I mean, this was brilliant. I mean, absolutely brilliant. And then to do a second album, yeah, and a that's live even album, better. Yeah. He never just did it. You know, he really went for it. That's the thing. Right. So they technically did another three. He always did. Right. He did the Berlin trilogy. Right. He always did. Tri but that's what an artist does. He didn't just yeah. say like, no, no he this was isn't serious working. about that. He was serious about that band. And they're great. They were a great band. They're amazing. But uh, how come those guys aren't like, why don't they do anything else? You know, well, they just weren't. It just wasn't very commercially successful. Like they didn't make any money. And he probably just went back to making albums. How is that possible that they didn't make money? You know, it's like, <laughs> I mean, who doesn't want to see Bowie perform? It's true. It's a good question. But there was a time when he wasn't. I mean, people love him now because he's lasted. But people forget that there was a good chunk of years where people weren't that interested in what he was doing. Sad, but true. 
In fact, one of his best albums ever is the soundtrack to The Buddha of Suburbia, uh -huh. which came out in the 90s. There was one. And yeah, and actually the album isn't a soundtrack at all. It's, it's actually all original music. And it was, Bowie has said more than once that it's his favorite album that he ever made. Really? Yeah, and he played most of the instruments on that album, which he never does. Oh, wow. And he's really proud of it. And it's a great album. It's one of his best in, from like the last 30 years. I've never even heard of it. I know. Nobody has. You can't even find it in this country. Um, I, uh, you know, I almost, I never had a run-in with him. But I've had many run-ins with his wife, who used to come <laughs> to this building all the time. I think I've told you that. Right. It was a guy who lived in 6F, and I was friendly with him, and he was the guy who was friends with Michael Caine. His two best friends were Michael Caine and Iman. Right. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, so I'd see Iman in the building all the time and be completely, you know, tongue-tied, because she really is stunning. And she's black, and you're saying that, so that obviously uh, right? means... Right? See? Yeah. Well, nobody's racist when somebody's hot. That's why I've, <laughs> right. I've completely you know, known that for many years. <laughs> I see. Um, in fact, uh, this is the other reason, too. I was lucky that thing had knees. That was not his knee. <laughs> not everybody keeps their genitals in the same place, Captain. Anything you want to tell me? Yeah, see, so that's her in Star Trek VI, so right. obviously I'm like, what? There's Iman, and I was like, oh, my God, I love you in Star Trek VI. And she's like, oh, my God, you're an idiot. I hate Jews. So um, she said that. So uh, one day, the old man in 6F was dying, uh, and me and the, you know, Emmanuel, the doorman, would um, help him. We had to lift him a lot because he kept falling. Right. Manuel said he cleaned up his duty a lot of stuff. I've heard that he might not have because I'm pretty sure Jody did it all. Okay. And we'd change his sheets or something. You know, that I could do. We could lift him. He always called me. We had to lift him up because mm -hmm. he was a mess and he was in a diaper or whatever. So one time me and Iman um, made his bed and just uh, <laughs> hung out. And I was just waiting the whole time. I was like, so you remember? You know, so I was hoping she was going to give me a note so I could do that. And be like, how do you not get? How do you not get what I just? Your you phone number? It's like, um, it was like, yeah, it's my, what, what the hell? I was like, are you making fun of my accent? <laughs> no, I'm doing from the blue. What the hell's the matter with you, Iman? Yeah, she would be Iman, impressed. what's your deal? Did you actually have a conversation with her? Well, she never talked much, but uh, she knew I was helping this guy. Now, this is the same guy that, you know, he became crazy. When you called 911, he'd get angry because then he had to go to the hospital. That's the rules. Right. If you are found by your nurse in your own duty, pee, <laughs> urine, you know, vomit, sperm, whatever it is. Right. They have to call 911 and you get taken to the hospital. That's the way it works. So he never wanted to go to the hospital. And you can't blame him for that. I don't know what kind of insurance he had or whatever. Right. So he would blame everybody if they called, even though it was the nurse person that he didn't know. And one time I'm downstairs and I see the cops. I'm like, where are you going? Like, oh, we're going to six, I'm, they're going to 6F. I'm like, oh, that's my friend. So I went up there and they're like, can I help you? The cops are up there. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm friends with him. My phone number is by his bed. And he's walking in his cane and his diaper. And he goes, just go, you son of a bitch. I'm going to get you if it's the last thing I do. I know you called them. And I'm like, no, I swear I did. Wait a minute. Do you really know him? I'm like, yeah, listen, he doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, it's so embarrassing. Cause I'm like, no, I'm friends with him. I'm really good friends. really close. He never talked to me again after that. He was so angry. Wow. But I did find out that when Michael Caine, like, he would prop himself up. So when Michael Caine or David Bowie and Iman would come over, can you believe this? this is so weird? So Bowie actually would come to your building? He would come. I missed him every time. <laughs> uh, they would come to see him. And when they would come, he would prop himself up. He was a homosexual. 
So he'd prop himself up in a like as an in a greeting. We'd, he'd make us put him in a greeting pose <laughs> where he With would take visitors. Jacket. Yeah. In in a in a chair in a lounge in a lege right. whatever you call those things right, and that's how we would greet these people, so, to pretend that he wasn't sick. When they finally found that he was sick, they took care of his bills and everything like that, so it was cool. I see. But um, and then he died, so I'm never going to see him on again. Or David Bowie, or I'm Michael so angry. Kane. Yeah, or Michael Caine, <laughs> who we had dinner together, which was so awesome with him and his black wife, which she's Indian. I don't know what's happening here, but I'm not getting a black wife just to fit in with those guys. <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe I would. It depends. I mean, Rihanna? You, I'd go out with her, Rihanna? Beyonce. All right, I'll keep that in mind. They're very hot. I mean, they're very hot. I'm glad you're turning a corner. I'm doing the best I can. You know how difficult it is for me, Memo? I grew up in a different time. I know, I know. Listen, I grew up in Jersey. I know. And uh, very close to Staten Island. Things were different then. I get it. You know, it's just when you see the Disney Channel now and you see, you know, elementary school kids, you know, or high school kids like, oh, I like this guy. And then you find out he's black. It's still <laughs> shocking to me. <laughs> uh, it's just difficult. I, I, don't, I guess I don't care, but... It doesn't affect me in any way. I'm just, I'm just still shocked. I get that it. And the I Disney understand. Channel, they're going to bring somebody home, that, and the parents aren't going to be like, "Whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa, right. what the?" You know, because I'm like the Sopranos. Remember that that <laughs> classic thing where she's dating that black guy. He goes, "All right, so that'll that'll be it then." He's come by today, and he's like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> you know, he's he's trying to explain to the kid. The kid right. doesn't understand because right. it's great. I mean, it's really. <laughs> as much as racial stuff is still really bad, you know, with right. the cops and everything and all that stuff. You have to see. We've turned a corner. We definitely if, have. If, they, if 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 kids in high school are just you know okay with having black, well, look at the Kardashians. I mean, look <laughs> at these guys. Right. She was on Howard Stern today. She's just like, I get so many black friends. I'm like, God, you would be the outcast, you right. know, if you go into high school. And my this girl um, called me up from high school. It was her birthday, and she goes, Hey, this guy Jerome Foster's coming to town next week. He's uh, got. Uh, cancer he's dying we're all gonna get together do you remember him and i'm like no so he was the black guy and i'm like it's funny you think i'd remember the one black guy you know <laughs> they all remember that area i tell you about potters yeah. and that where i grew up and like, all the black guys hung out i'm like i don't remember that guy was he the big fat guy who smelled uh, like she goes no what was that guy's name I'm like that guy's name was lloyd long so she's like yeah that was the guy who was in college he was high school he was 25 you know already because that's right it's funny but then I do remember that guy. We were in a play together, and right. he was nothing but nice and, right. and, and, a, and a delight. I remember now it, it was coming back. But I'm like, if he's black, there's no way I was friends with him. That's I mean, true. that's why I put it. I mean, that's what I told her. And it's funny because um, it just, it's just the way it was. We hung out. I hung out with a couple of them when we were in the plays together. Right. But just, you know, in my neighborhood, it's just didn't I get happen. It. You, that's not how remember you. I told you that classic story. But it's a classic story. I'm in my neighborhood. We're playing on the street. I, I, maybe it was in college, <laughs> and a, a a car of black people comes down the street, and they roll down their window. They're clearly asking direction. I go, oh yeah, you just go down the street and you make a left. It's the next block. And they're like, who do you think we're? Oh, I, I just assumed you were looking for the Russells, the one black right. family neighbor. I just assumed, <laughs> right. and they they were. <laughs> right. Uh, but I didn't give them a chance to. Uh, yeah, you go right. And how did you? <laughs> I get it. I get it. Kids won't believe it, but it's true. I know, I know. It's really, you know, I had trouble with this uh, kid, the one black kid in school, his name was Chauncey Clark, called me up once. He's like, it's Chauncey. He had a, you know, hey, he talked like that when he was in first grade. Right. And I'm like, who? It's Chauncey. <laughs> Catsy? I don't know why I couldn't <laughs> understand him. I guess he never called before. He was inviting me to his birthday party. Um, I almost wasn't 
my parents were cool with it, but a lot of people weren't allowed to go. Oh, did you go? I did go. Oh, thank you. He was great. The kid was great. I didn't. He, he, when you're that young, you don't. You learn prejudice. Everybody's right. You're taught it. I get it. So when you're that, you, you know, and I, I didn't even care. I mean, it was. He, he was a great. He was the only black. I know. That's why I tell that. Well, I'll tell you another time. I'll tell that Marina Franklin story <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> But uh, going back to Bowie, you know, yeah. he always worked with black artists, even way back when uh, it wasn't cool to do Oh, that, yeah, yeah. You know? No, yeah, yeah, right, right. That's why uh, it's amazing when you see him with, uh, you know, that Nile Rodgers and stuff like that. It's just like that guy is, a, like, a really black. <laughs> you know, but it doesn't matter. But um, so here's the other thing I remember about David Bowie. This is all in college, I remember. Um, you remember Band-Aid, mm-hmm. right? So I always remember we had the extended mix in college. You got um, crazy. That had this in it. Hello, this is Gary Kent from Spandau Ballet. Happy Christmas, everyone. Yeah, they had all the people talking this way. <laughs> yeah. And from Spandau Ballet. Yeah. This is John Taylor from Trina Trina. Happy Christmas, everybody, too. Happy Christmas. I mean, I have no who? idea who these, exactly. I don't know. I can't. I don't know who they are. And and then it just slows down when it gets to Bowie because he at this point is the king. So it just. Right. Hello, Sarah from Banana Rama. Happy Christmas. That's Sarah from Banana Very important that you. <laughs> Me too, Karen. Hello, this is Glenn. Seventeen. Wishing everybody a very merry Christmas and happy New Year. Oh, this is Kevin. This is Tony. This is Mark Rizzuti. This is Bruce Watson from Big Country. Oh, Big, big Country. Stay alive. There's Johnny Fingers from Boomtown Rats, and uh, I'd like to wish everyone a happy Christmas. Boomtown Rats. Now this is David Bowie. It's Christmas 1984, and there are more starving folk on that planet than ever before. Please give a thought for them this season and do whatever you can, however small, to help them live. Have a peaceful new year. I used to do that line as well. I was so obsessed with him. I would just walk down the street like, this is David Bowie. It's 1984. <laughs> like, Everything he did was, even among, you know, like, rock stars are, like, the most attention-getting people anyway. And even among then, he always, he was always, remember when Freddie Mercury died, they had the concert for life for yeah. Freddie. And uh, he comes out with Annie Lennox, and they do a song together. And then he, like, kneels down and does a Lord's Prayer. Like, the whole stadium of four billion people just goes silent, and he goes, Oh, Father. I told you he hates Jews. <laughs> you know, this had nothing to do with well, his Well, my mother did not appreciate that. I don't <laughs> mind telling you. It's maybe you know, true. How about this This guy? He's so full of himself. This record was recorded on the 25th of November, 1984. It's now 8 a.m. on the morning of the 26th. We've been here 24 hours, and I think it's time we went home. So from me, Bob Geldof and Mitch would say <laughs> good morning it. to you all. Yeah. And a million thanks to everyone on the record. Have a lovely Christmas. Bye. It's just... Um that guy who's like, it. hello, it's Bob Geldof. Like, I was like, oh, he had to get himself on he the He always record. sticks himself. It's, yeah. Well, what else did he have? You know, <laughs> if it wasn't for Live Aid, I don't rats. know if anybody would remember the Boomtown Rats at all. No, no it's true. I don't like Mondays. <laughs> um, but I just remember in college that we would have that extent. You know, it was such a big deal to right. have all those stars being like, hello, happy Christmas. Right. You know, you could play it. Hello, this is David Bowie. <laughs> it's 1984, and there are more starving people in the world. Yeah. Now, this, after, um, in college, after Let's Dance, he came out with this song, which a lot of people say, like, people loved it, but it does not hold up today. I think about this song all the time because it's too slow. Like, it 
takes too long to build you. I don't think you could put out a song like this today. It's called Absolute Beginners. Oh, it's yeah. from the movie Absolute Beginners. Right. So it's not on any album. But I, I, I know this opening so well. But it's one of my favorite Bowie songs. Right? But it takes so long to get going. It's very slow. Right, right. Bop, bop, bop. But I always remember the opening. I have nothing much to offer. I have nothing much to say. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember every bit of the song. I mean, look how slow it is. You know, to get to the next verse. Right. When I'm absolutely Good chord. And I absolutely love you. I don't know. Do you know that song well? Yeah. Or? No, I don't know well, but I, I don't remember know why. it. That's the one that's in my head all the time, like on a daily basis. You don't basis. hear it very often. No, played. never, never, yeah. ever. Uh, for some reason, that one. I don't know. You know, during the. I mean, I feel like an idiot because after, you know, I was way into him after Let's Dance, so I feel stupid, but <laughs> I was like really into him, so that's why I know this one it, so well. Was it well. after you saw his gigantic bulge in Labyrinth? Is that. Uh, actually, I hated Labyrinth. I can't sit through it. Did <laughs> you like it? Yeah, I but can't. I was that age. I mean, I was yeah, like in no. middle school. I was already a senior in high school. Yeah, exactly. Think, so, yeah, that wasn't good for me. Uh, but that's uh, nobody. Every, but, it's, but now it's a huge. I mean, Labyrinth, everybody loves Labyrinth. It's a huge. Oh, God, I forgot about this one. This is from uh, Family Guy. You remember this one, though. Well, I'm going to start over just in case it was too low. But recent years have also seen many important historical events. 1985 brought us the gayest music video of all time. <laughs> now, when did this come out? Which one? Okay. This Family Guy. Oh, like two years ago? Right. So, in my PowerPoint presentation, I see the exact same thing, and that came out in 2005. Just like to point that out. Oh, you say it's the gayest music? Yeah, oh, I said it won the award for gayest music video of all time, <laughs> which it, it's it is, but it's like oh, my yeah. favorite music video. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, because you have these two icons that you're almost like, we don't care if you're gay because you guys are too cool. <laughs> exactly. You're like so cool you can actually be this gay, and, right. and we're gonna let it go. It was totally cool. They were almost kissing. It was very odd. <laughs> it was so Just weird. Such odd choices. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, this, I'm still playing the Family Guy version. They let it go. <laughs> I'm playing the cartoon. Right. They let it go the full song. And they did like the animated version of the. No. This is. They showed the actual video. I'm playing. Oh, that's crazy. From the television I didn't show. That. <laughs> yeah. Let me get to the end. 
Yeah. That's such that a brilliant happened, video. and we all let it happen. <laughs> That's the end. <laughs> but it, but you know what? It's again how brilliant he is, right? Like they had like five minutes to shoot that video, right? They were just doing it for Live Aid. But whose idea was to be like, you know what we should do? Well, that's the thing. They're like, we gotta, should get really close. They got a, they got a couple camera guys and like one set, and they're like, well, how do we make this interesting? Well, they certainly did well, exactly, that. Yeah, and yeah. it's still one of the most memorable videos ever. Like, that's yeah, pretty plus amazing. What they were wearing, right? Was weird. Exactly, those leopard pants. The funny thing is that just like you know, it's it is funny. Mick Jagger, he just moves. He does move. <laughs> yeah, so, when he's doing that little Egyptian yeah, shit, and like it's amazing. But I mean, you have to hand it to him, like. Who would come up with such a creative, memorable video with like ten minutes to go? You're talking about like, Bowie. You know yeah. that's Bowie's idea. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, right, it's like right. now you do this, you know, and make why did they even do it? It was for Live Aid. It was it was oh, to raise money that, for Live oh, Aid. Oh, that was their contribution to Live Aid. Yeah, like they they oh. made that music video. To, it was all part of the whole Live Aid spiel or whatever. You know, that's what's okay, so amazing. That makes sense. That makes sense. I just love that the Family Guy just played. Like, you could watch the Cartoon <laughs> Network tonight, and you'll see that entire video right. on the show, that's on the episode, great. which has something to do with that's just a throwaway clip. Total genius, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Uh, it is gayest music video of all time. Are you going to go see – you know, now you can't get tickets to that off-Broadway show. No, it's – how am I going to ever – they're gonna, they're gonna extend and, it, right? They must extend it, right? How do you not if it's selling out? Yeah. Why would you – isn't yeah. that the point? yeah. So I guess we got to go see it. Do they I, use some of his other songs or just this album? The the only song I think on the album that's on that Broadway show is Lazarus. I think the rest is separate music. I his think. or somebody? No, it's his, but I don't wrote? think it has anything to do with the album. Oh, I see. So he, let me think about this guy. Like I said, he's dying. Right. He writes a play. Right. And an album and a couple videos. We just saw one. Right. Let's oh, assume yeah. he made more. Right. And he was dying. He was on his dying deathbed. Yeah, he knew. Do you know what I did this weekend? I watched football. And you're dying, too, and you're not doing anything. I'm dying in a different way. <laughs> and then um, I think I watched Supergirl. <laughs> and I had nothing but free time. Like, Monday, I got up at 7, and I didn't have to be anywhere until 2. And I helped the girl next door. She was having a mommy and me class, so all the baby carriages were in here. And, and then I just sat and watched uh, that movie, Kate and Leopold. Right. Yeah, you don't really have an excuse. No. Uh, in the meantime, when I did that, he wrote an entire play. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So now I feel like a dick where I was kind of just relaxing. Now, I blame my cat, though. She doesn't yeah. like when I do stuff. When she sees me at the computer, she gets angry. So it's kind of her fault. Kind of. Yeah, because before That's the why cat... my favorite song is Cat People. Right. Well, Memo... If you do think about it, before the cat, I was quite ambitious. It's true. You it were, is funny actually. if you think about it. You're going to blame the cat. Well, why not? You're going to blame Cats Mariam. It's Mariam's fault. Yeah, it is her fault. You still see that that super high girl? No. This girl's amazing. This is a girl Memo lived above. Right. She was uh, like a sexual dynamo, but she's not very true. She looks like I don't know the, what you mean by that. She loved having sex, you know, all the time um, with, with boys. And like she had a boyfriend, she always had a boyfriend, you know, whatever you, whatever you hear have sex all the time, and she looked like the that one we always talk about in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, the 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 child catcher. <laughs> That's what she looks like. But then one day she became a lesbian, and then all you could hear was her lesbian sex, and the thing didn't that used to wake you up? No, no, mostly she smoked pot. That was well, her no, no, number we one. No, 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 she activity. smoked pot. Sex was smoked no, a far not, not pot, but she became a lesbian. Now she's not a lesbian anymore. 
I guess. I. Uh, but the pot smell was really big because you had a baby. And it would seep through. And it would seep through, and your yeah. wife was getting so angry. I mean, we didn't care that she smoked. Probably right, just right. like, dust don't do it no, right No, right, right, window. of course, right. right. And it was going right up to where your baby sleeps. <laughs> right. Uh, but now she doesn't live there anymore, right? How are your no. new neighbors? What are they like? Well, they're my landlords. Oh, and they live downstairs? Yeah, it's just, it's, yeah I mean, they're, it's a little weird. They're okay? Or? Well, I mean, it's like you live upstairs from your landlord, so it's like... Yeah, it's tough. Any little noise with a five-year-old, you know, it's yeah. a whole nother... Oh, why do they have they complained? A couple times. I oh, mean, that sucks. well, you're afraid, you know, it's like they probably hear every little creak and whatever. Well, then you should so. tell them that you should fix it so you can't hear it. <laughs> well, I think they thought they did when they moved in. They rebuilt the ceiling. And oh, whatever. is that right? But apparently they did not. Have, yeah. have you thought about carpeting? We've, we've put in a couple carpets, yeah. And it still doesn't. You got a baby. It's yeah, what are you going to well, do? Actually, now your kid's five, five right? What's even worse? She's the best. And let me tell you, folks, this kid is the best. I love this kid. I love Memo's kid. She's adorable, she's personable. She's lots of fun, and she's very creative. And I've talked about it. You know, Lee Maracas, my friend, who I, I love very much. <laughs> I don't care. I'm tell- yeah, I'm telling it. I'm telling it. He's got a kid the exact same age. Lee, now, I Lee apologize. is very wealthy, and uh, this kid is privileged. And she sent me a video where she did how to draw a cat. And I've told them this already. This is. I've told them this. I've, I've been up front with them. I'm like, listen, your kid's got a problem. I'm she glad only five people listen to your podcast. Yeah, you're right. So she's drawing it, but how to draw a cat. She's sending me the video, and she's tracing it from a book, a backpack, so it's even worse. And, you know, whatever. I put the video together for a send to the parents. Memo, the next day, he doesn't even know this happened. The next day, his kid sends me a video, another how-to video of his kid with building blocks, built an entire city, um, and a gazebo <laughs> for people to eat lunch at, uh, a piano player, with a microphone and the way she was described it's a video of her describing like now this is the elevator that takes people to the 39th floor <laughs> yes. and this is the subway system the transportation I'm still working on that building that right now <laughs> but that's going to be completed by 2017 <laughs> and now this is where people eat lunch and this guy you can see the microphone here he's not very good so people are facing away I mean it was <laughs> the difference was unbelievable the same age yeah and but it you just can't. shows you how in a way you know, imagination is the key to forming uh, the right kind of person, I think. I don't know. I mean, this group Well, you're is... going to love this. Um, you know, I, we watched Star, the original Star Wars last spring. Yeah. And then we watched uh, Empire, like her and a bunch of five-year-old friends, like in November. And, like, she's still, like, today, this morning, she's been asking me so many questions about Return of the, about what happens in Return of the Jedi. And then she's, so like... So she hasn't seen Return of the Jedi No, yet. but she has all these questions, and she's, like, thinking about it. So she was, like, I think... Today she was, like, you know what? I think the title Return of the Jedi, I think... Because she, she knows that Darth Vader is Luke's father, right? She what? Him. Don't... It's a spoiler sorry, alert, everybody. Guys. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, skip five minutes from Isn't that. Isn't it 1980? Um, and so she knows that. And so she's, today she's like, you know what? I think Return of the Jedi, it's Return of the Jedi because I think in the next one, I bet Darth Vader takes off his helmet and his suit and he's a good guy again. <gasps> like she said that to me. She's a genius. And I was, like, I was like, fuck, she totally, like she, wow. she guessed, you know, she she's not 100% right, but she's pretty close. <laughs> what is the reason you're not letting her see because you're waiting three years like the way you had to see it? No, because <laughs> no, I, I, I can see you totally. No, no, no. No, no, you got to wait three years just I'm, the way I saw No, I'm it. giving it some time because yeah, I no, do no, think I like, it works. I like that plan, yeah. But no, I'm not going to wait three years. No, I, I know, <laughs> but I thought you are a major purist. Are you showing it on the VHS, the original I'm film? showing the original film. Memo's got the original VHS. You yeah. people might know that George <laughs> Lucas changed 
the v- the other copies. Yeah, she's watching the original. That that is a nightmare. It makes people angry. Where you put that idiot who plays uh, Darth Vader, you know the <laughs> Hayden, kid, Hayden. Right. Oh God. So you're showing her the original. Yeah, one. she's nice. seeing the original. I gotta one. get copies of those so maybe I can show my kids, which will, you know someday. <laughs> but uh, I love it. I, lo- I I would love if you were waiting through. No, no, no. You gotta see it. It's pure. I mean, listen. If you're showing your original on VHS, why right. wouldn't I think for a second you're waiting? No, it's three a valid years. point. But but I realize that that's almost too ridiculous. No, it She'll is. She'll be ridiculous. like, "Fuck you." So I, I uh, did. Do you that. see the new one? I did see the new one. Uh, you know, I can't obviously talk about it. I hated it. You hated it. I will it. tell you why off the Oh, end. my God. I'm surprised. I hated it. I was furious, and I have many reasons why. And I, I, I I'm think not saying agree. you're wrong. I'm just shocked that you hated it because it seems like it's right so up your alley. I forward to it, too. Wow. I will tell you. Oh, oh will be revealed later. Uh, you know what's funny is that um, this is the song I'm going to end on today because uh, I don't know. It just feels like an ending song, even though it's his worst song, probably. <laughs> this is the one I'm going to go out with. No, it's it's a it's a good one. I do you want to say anything else? No, it's good. well. I was just no, no. It takes no, too long. Me. No, no, no. I, I was going to tell you this ridiculous story that Adrian Ballou posted on his on his Facebook page that was uh, like um, you know, in his memories of David. Right. Uh-huh. It's a great story. This if you is, want me to tell it, this is recently. He posted it yesterday. Yeah, go ahead. So all right. So so I got to explain the backstory, which is that Adrian Ballou was playing in a cover band in the Midwest somewhere with his buddies in like the late 70s and yeah, nobody's a just cover band in some bar and he's playing one night and in walks in frank zappa who had like a show nearby and zappa watches him and offers him a job at the end of the set and he's like you want to play with my band and of course he's like nobody's just some guy and he's like oh my god so like a few months later he's touring the world with zappa right zappa has totally created his career for him Zappa was very much like Bowie in many ways. Yeah, he was. He just never was as like commercial. But he yeah. never got that Let's Dance album. Right, yeah. right. He never. If right. he had lived, he might have worked it out. That's true. He also died of cancer, actually. So, so, so you know now. So Baloo is like you know first time ever in his life. He's like touring the world. It's like he's living his dream, right? And Zappa is the guy that made it happen. And so he, he's in Germany and he's they're playing a show and. Brian Eno's in the audience, and Brian Eno knows that Bowie is looking for a guitarist for his next tour. Oh. So he tells Bowie, calls Bowie, he's like, you should check him out tomorrow. They're going to be in Berlin. So Bowie's in Berlin, or he flies to Berlin, I don't know. And so the next night, Baloo's playing. Uh, Zappa does some big, like, 20-minute guitar solo, so Baloo walks off stage with the rest of the band while he's doing the solo, and there's Iggy Pop and David Bowie standing on the side. And Baloo's like, wow, he's like his hero, you know? So he goes to Bo and he's like, I just want you to know, like, your music has changed my life. You're amazing. And Bo's like, hey, how'd you like to play guitar on my next tour? And, and Zappa's like, well, I'm kind of playing with that guy. And he points to Zappa. <laughs> mean, yeah, right. And he's like, oh, and Bowie's like, don't worry about it. Like, when your tour ends, mine's not going to start for a few weeks. So it'll work out. And he's like, come have dinner with me. So he's, he's like, I'll meet you at your hotel. So the show's over and Baloo goes back to his hotel and he walks in and in the lobby is sitting Bowie and his assistant named Coco. And, and they're just waiting for him. And Bowie walks up to him and he's, and he's like in spy. It's like a spy movie. He's like, come back in 10 minutes and meet me. There'll be a black limo outside. Get in the limo and meet us there or something like that. So Baloo comes back. He goes upstairs, changes, comes back down in 10 minutes with the limo outside. The door opens. He walks in and there's Bowie and Coco sitting in the limo. The door closes and they drive off to, and Bowie's like, I'm going to take you to my favorite German restaurant in all of Berlin. So he's explaining, like, the tour, and he wants him to be as a guitarist, and he's got the whole stage set up in the, you know, he's got the whole thing in his mind. He's explaining it all to Bowie, I mean, to Baloo. Baloo's like, you know, he's like in heaven. He's like, he's never, he doesn't know what to think. So they go to this restaurant, <coughs> they walk in, 
And who's sitting in the table right at the front door but Zappa and the band? Oh, no way. <laughs> so they walk in. It's really awkward. You know, he's like, he's like, this is my boss. Oh, and right. he sees me, catches me with David Bowie. So they all sit down and Bowie's like, hello, Frank, you've got a great uh, guitarist here. And, and, and Zappa's just like, fuck you, Captain Tom, you know, instead of Major Tom. Mm-hmm. And he and he's like, ah, we can all be friends here. Now there's no need to get rude. And he's like, fuck you, Captain Tom. He just Zappa's just pissed. Wow. And and so, so he so after like a few minutes of Bowie trying to sort of pave it out and just sort of smooth things out, like he realizes it's not going anywhere. So they get up and leave, and they get back in his limo. And he's like, well, I thought that one pretty well. (laughs) (laughs) That's my favorite ending. Exactly. Well, (laughs) it's just great. That's hilarious. Oh, that's amazing. So. but he did end up working for Bowie, right? He did. Because after the tour yeah, ended, he, yeah. he didn't screw anybody over. No, because he ended up still recording with Zappa and stuff. So clearly, like, it was, they really, it I don't even fine. know who this guy is. Which guy? Adrian Ballou? Yeah. Is he, he just a studio recording? Or no, he's got a whole career. Like I mean, he's just song never... would I know maybe that? You, the only song he ever had that was it's something uh, in the 80s, a radio hit was called Oh Daddy. Which he recorded in the '80s, and it was like a minor radio hit. Other than that, I mean, he, but he played with that. He's on Graceland. He's on Nine Inch Nails. Oh wow, wow! You've heard his so music. He's that guy that people always want. Yeah, but yeah, he's just not a commercial guy. But yeah, he's on Glass Spider. He led the whole. He was like in charge of like the whole. Oh, I probably saw him in that video. He was like a band leader. Band leader. But anyway, yeah, that was a great Bowie story. I thought that is a good Bowie story. I was <laughs> kind of hoping that uh, for some reason John Lennon was going to be in the limo. <laughs> Because they good. were friends too, Lennon and John Lennon and uh, yeah. Bowie, right? Yeah, he was on uh, in Fame. John Lennon played on Fame. Oh yeah, is that cool? Yeah, Can you imagine. That's so cool. It's true. Well, he's not. I mean, he was a great, a great, interesting man, <laughs> an amazing artist. Yeah, not a great actor, but still interesting because his <laughs> voice is cool. Yeah. <laughs> He talked proper. And he played weird roles. He played Andy Warhol. Yeah, I have a and bus squad. Bus <laughs> Tesla. He bus. played Nikolai Tesla. Oh, I didn't know that. I, just, I, I wish he had done something almost normal that, you know, like Mick Jagger in that uh, Emilio Estevez movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, uh, Free Jack. <laughs> yeah, Free Jack. He should have done great. something like that, you know. He did some normal stuff, didn't he? I don't know. He did Peter and the Wolf. He Nothing's recorded better that than that Mick Jagger and Free Jack. <laughs> I mean, that's the one. That's where it is. Right. Yeah. Well, R.I.P. David Bowie. Thanks for listening, everybody. It's uh, we did a long podcast today, but why not? I wanted to do a tribute. I like David Bowie. I know my friend Memo loves him too. Yeah, he and did a good, good thing. It's an emergency podcast. I go back <laughs> to the regular format, which nobody seems to like anyway. So uh, <laughs> next week. I hope you like the show. I hope you have time to listen and um, enjoy the games this weekend. Uh, hopefully, I won't lose too much money. <laughs> Good luck. Uh, don't forget about the March first date and happy. Oh, um, on Martin Luther King Day, we're going out. Uh, I think uh, all the guys are going out for the comedy show. We're going out for, for Tell's birthday. Oh, how and, nice! Yeah, it's nice. So. I, they invited me. I couldn't believe it. Are you inviting everybody on the radio? What's going yeah, on? everybody. Come on out. Okay. Join us on Martin Luther King Day. Now, happy uh, holiday, everybody. It's going to be a nice three-day week. Oh, on uh, Tuesday, the whatever date that is, the 19th, 16th, I don't know, whatever day Tuesday, next Tuesday is, I'll be doing Artie Lang's podcast. So you can see me then. That's we'll good. see you next time on the Dave Jusco Show. Thank you, Memo Salazar, for Thank joining you. me today. Where are you uh, performing? Uh, well, you can find me on YouTube if you uh, Google 
David Bowie PowerPoint presentation. Is that true? You put it up on YouTube? Yeah, it's been on for a while. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So, well, you know what? I'm going to take a look at that tonight. <laughs> yeah. David Bowie PowerPoint You're presentation memo. I am? Yeah, because I do a weird little tribute to the Cars movie. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's how you were trying to sell it that day. <laughs> exactly. Well, there's a Cars tribute in it. <laughs> All right, good. Exactly. All right, now I'm definitely going to check it out. Look at the uh, David Bowie PowerPoint vision memo. It's under memo, Salazar, right? Just just Google David Bowie PowerPoint. Oh, I guess. Okay, so that's our show for today. I hope everybody has a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Dave Just Got Podcast. I'll never let you down. Oh, no.